Hey there, Uther did nothing wrong. This is Inyash. Hey, Inyash, this is Steven. And I'm glad to hear Steven. you agree. <laughs> I get a feeling that uh, I know what position you're going to take on various things today. I mean, there's definitely nuance, but I was vindicated this whole time. People were like, oh, maybe Uther's not perfect. And no, he's great. He's, he's... <laughs> wait, wait, but is he perfect? I, you know, perfect is a high standard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he's, uh, I think if he has any imperfections that he's laboring under a serious misunderstanding. Okay. But other well, than that, just that, he's fucking nailing it. Awesome. Well, I, I'm glad to hear that you are happy. I'm glad Uther's here. This is very exciting. Yes, it is. Uh, but what is this exciting thing that we are recording us talking about right now? I was about to jump right in without uh, explaining that part. Thanks for catching me. Um, no problem. This is our podcast, Not Everything is a Clue, where we sit down and discuss Alexander Wales' web serial, Worth the Candle, available on audiobook and ebook near you. Indeed they are. You can have, there are links where people can buy those things in our show notes. Wow, that was a bit of a struggle to get through. Uh, in addition, there are links to Alexander Wales' Patreon if you want to support him directly. There's links to our Patreon if you want to support us, which we definitely appreciate. And we do kick back 15% of our takings to Alexander Wales as well. Uh, and we sometimes uh, interact with people on our Discord. There's a link to that in the show notes. And I bring that up because we are going to have some feedback from the audience um, although, should I take this unorganized thought first? Yes, because it's okay. awesome. Okay, well, before we get to the feedback then, uh, there's this thing that I... I'm, so I have an end-of-the-show show notes document, which you don't have access to, where <laughs> every now and then I take some notes of things that happen throughout the book that I want to bring up right at the end, more or less. Uh, but there were a few things that happened earlier, which I took notes on, and I'm going to start reviewing this as we're reading the long stairs because some of them will come up a little earlier and i saw this note and i was like oh shit i should have brought this up last episode and i totally forgot about it because i didn't look at that document until after we were done recording but the note i took was that in chapter 228 the fell seed incident when colin uh is mad at june and they're going up against fell seed and his girlfriend has already left colin says fell seed won't just be killed He'll be erased from history and memory, the evidence of his life ground away by directed randomness until it's lost to even our own minds. There won't be a scrap of him left. And that's exactly what happens when they Vorpal Sword him. I'm glad Colin got the final win here. Uh, mm-hmm. th- this was awesome. I uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, so there was a... Uh, we talked last week. I forgot that today was Tuesday because everyone had yesterday off because of uh, um, Treason Day. And uh, depending on what part of the world you're in, Independence Day, if you're here, <laughs> um, the uh, the Hell Arc kind of felt like a bit of a, I don't know, I stayed up late to get this done kind of vibe. Um, mm. And like everything felt with the Felseed thing, like, okay, shit, this was epic as hell. This is like the standard again, right? Um, mm-hmm. And this, this proves that, yeah, this was part of the plan, right? Yeah. The Hell yeah. thing was kind of, I don't want to say cobbled together, but it... It wasn't part of the original plan, right? I don't know if it was part of the plan or if it was it was the ending of the original plan, which didn't have the entire previous arc to lead up to it and make it be payoff. So, yeah. Yeah. It, that the, 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 hell, the, whole, the whole thing was kind of disappointing, yes. Well, I think it was, it was just like uh, it didn't have the, like, this is the polished, you know, what I had in mind kind of thing. And it wasn't because he meant to do that arc first. Uh, mm-hmm. But the things got right back on track with the... Uh, Felseed fight because I had just this, I don't know, whatever, Avengers Assembled versus Thanos vibe, right? Um, yeah. It was epic. It's all hell. And uh, this proves that it was actually planned. I loved it. Yeah, perfect. It was great. Good find. 
All right. Well, now I'm going to get to the from the audience thing. I only had one thing I picked out this last week, but it was a good one. Uh, Fred LF from the Discord says that regarding Amaryllis's clones, uh, when I was all freaked out that she murdered two of her clones, basically, uh, it's a mitigating factor that at the point she already knew she was going to have to die to save Juniper in Hell, which would kill all clones. So by force merging, she at least saved their memories. And I think that's, I mean, that's hugely uh, exonerating. Not exonerating? Exculpatory? It's, it's a big thing. That's a really, really good catch. And I didn't think about that. Because I, yeah, they're, they, she doesn't have clones right now. I wondered briefly while she was in the long stairs if she could sink. And it's not impossible she could have made more clones, you know, between now and then. But I doubt she did. Um, mm-hmm. Just because she probably thought that thematically it wouldn't be uh, whatever, sensible or something, right? Yeah. It'd be narratively risky. Yes. So, no, yeah. Um, you know, if, uh, if, if the Earth's about to be exploded and the only way to retain any part of me is to assimilate me into the Borg, then by all means. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a really good, really good grab. I like that. Yep. So I feel much better about Amaryllis again. Yay. I'm glad. Yeah. I was kind of just on board with it because, you know, math checks out kind of thing. I like Amaryllis's right. uh, um, stone cold calculation but no this is uh wait like, so is the is the math that amaryllis is good amaryllis did this therefore it's good <laughs> uh it, it was uh i need 30 of me to be maximally productive 30 of me oh, that okay. i can be connected with uh, but you know tautologically you know i <laughs> i i haven't found a, a proof or a, I, haven't, I haven't found a a what, what do you a theorem that disproves that equation that you just laid out uh, you, so you know it's fair sure yeah yeah, yeah. Well, but I do like the idea, um, you know, that she's like, look, hey, you guys are all going to die. I I get it. You don't want to be assimilated or whatever. What were they then worried about? You'd think that even the the couple of Amarilli who didn't want to jump back in would be like, oh, yeah, we'd rather persist in this diminished form than just be annihilated. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they didn't know she was going to hell. Maybe um, they... That might be it. ...wanted the last couple months that they could get together and then they would you know be assimilated i don't know that's distinctly plausible yeah i don't know if they, i don't know if they would have had a couple of months or whatever but it could just be that she didn't explain to them like yeah by the way i'm gonna at like six o'clock tonight i'm gonna cut my head off so <laughs> yeah yeah well cool i wonder yeah no i guess yeah she gets teleported out of the transport i was gonna say i wonder like what happens to your body if it like comes back together when you uh when you get resurrected, but like, does this mean, this must mean that there's somewhere there's an Amaryllis body that's been killed. And then there's also this other body that came out of the teleporter from hell. 100%. That's a good point. That's pretty cool. They've got a lather, lunch, rinse, repeat uh, way to get lots and lots of juicy bones. Yeah. Are they obviously got crack bones somewhere because, because he also died and went to hell and then came out of the teleporter. Oh yeah. Him too. Ah. Uh, and I guess Lizzie. Yep, yep. Yeah. It's too bad they didn't have an elf in the party. Yeah. I mean, they, well, they could yeah. kill Fennigan. <laughs> I think she would take that personally. <laughs> not worth the, not worth the effort. <laughs> right. That kind of thing is Dude, only is just, only allowed to work, you know, 3 maybe 4 times. You know, they would kill Fennigan and then get an exclusion on hell teleporters. Oh, <laughs> uh, god, you're right. Maybe they maybe they'd exclude hell. That would be cool. With how sweeping the exclusions tend to tend to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, long story short, they don't do all that because instead they go into the long stairs. Love it. Chapter 237. 
long story short yeah uh starts out with a kansas flashback which uh when i was reading through your notes i was like oh yeah right he doesn't realize that this is a flashback he thinks that this is a document they have on arab which i i don't even remember right now what i thought at the time when i first came came across this but you know now going into it i knew that it was a source book that june had written up for his games on kansas in kansas so uh reading through your notes was a lot of fun but yeah the uh kansas flashback has this uh operating document for the military teams that go down there and uh they have this awesome long stairs protocol thing where people like don't know why doing something results in the team's coming back or not coming back but apparently uh someone put together that if you don't kill a mouse you must not come back because the only teams that ever came back that saw a mouse killed it immediately afterwards and that starts the white mouse protocol and nobody knows why it works it just (laughs) it just does because the teams that didn't make it back obviously you don't have any reports from them but any team that did make it back reported killing a white mouse and like, that's just really fucking awesome because it's this whole eldritch fear of the unknown that, the you know, spooks that go bump in the night mashed up against science and how that how that would interact if you actually do have science tri- trying to figure things out that are ultimately eldritch, unknowable, scary horror things. And it's really just perfect. I 100% agree. I loved everything about the long stairs and the setup for it. Yeah, my, my initial confusion was... Uh, yeah, I guess not knowing which side of uh, whatever the the long stairs this document came from. It did have an Earth date on it, but then mm-hmm. I was like, "Wait, is this a military document? Like, is this a real thing?" But no, of course, it's June's source material, like everything else. But uh, the 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 mouse thing, and then they had the analogy later of um, like the World War II fighter jets that they mm-hmm. you know they flew Bars. out, and then the ones that came back full of bullet holes, they put armor where the bullet holes weren't. Because yeah. the, clearly the ships can survive being shot where there are bullet holes. Um, yeah. And I'm just like, that is the kind of galaxy brain shit that is well <laughs> beyond what I would have thought of. I'm like, oh, we need to put armor where the holes are to keep mm-hmm. them from getting shot. Like, that, that's mm-hmm. my first thought, right? Um, mm-hmm. This is that same sort of reasoning. And and uh, it's epic. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I, I got to send you that, um, the meme picture of the, uh, <laughs> the, the, you know, the fantasy hot bikini armor for ladies? Uh Yes. Uh, it's, it's basically that diagram of the world war two plane with all the holes in it and, uh, put next to it is a diagram of a human humanoid outline and there's holes all in it and says the adventurers that returned were stabbed in these areas. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously we need to armor the other places more and that's why all the vitals are completely exposed, but they got to armor over the boobs. Well, of course it's, it's hilarious. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Yes. Uh, so, yeah, then we finished reading the document and the group is talking about it. And uh, dang it, I didn't didn't check who asked this. It was probably Raymer uh, asking that they're technically in an alt history. Right. And uh, June goes, yeah, I mean, technically, sure. But it's uh, you can't tell. It looks just like our world, except that it has this conspiracy in it, which nobody knows about. So, you know, it could be like a world that's got us in it somewhere. And that seems to me. Like this might be some kind of direct clue that uh that that it was a world that had somewhere them somewhere in it at the time. Maybe is am I getting too galaxy brained here? Do you get what I'm saying? No, I love it. This is it's perfect. Uh, that June unknowingly made a game that was actually representative of real reality at the time. I mean, like the June and Arab made a game that was actually representative of June of Arab reality without knowing it. That's what I was gonna say. Is Arab June did the same thing? 
Um, yeah. You know, it, it's distinctly plausible and I love it. Um, and at, if it's not precisely that, then it's at least uh, like a, a subtle nod to the fact that, you know, Arab has alt versions of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. I guess I am finally at chapter 237 willing to say that this might contain at least one clue in it somewhere. Yay. This work. I'm winning. <laughs> nice. Uh, so then we get a flashback that is an Arab flashback to three years ago before June gets killed. Uh, and Raven is saying he likes talking about his games when June is going on about the long stairs, explaining it to all them. And Grax says, not games, ideas. And I thought that was really cool because, like, Grack just gets June. That for June, it's not about a game. It's about an idea and a way that things could be. And that games are his way of sharing that with other people. But it's not about the game for him. It's about the idea of worlds and things, systems working and people's living in them. Grack is best companion. Yeah. I, I think that, I mean, Amarillo gets it too. But, like, she doesn't have the endless patience for June like, I think she, you know, June's going on, like, waxing enthusiastically about the long stairs. She wants the data points, right? Right. Maybe when they're, like, cuddling, she'll enjoy hearing the the, the fun parts. But mm-hmm. she just wants the data. And, but but Greg gets it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's awesome. So June says this thing here, which is going to become relevant later. So I'm pulling it out right here as well, where he says, anyone that you meet in the long stairs, aside from those who have delved, which I guess is the military teams and... uh and Uther, uh, is created the moment you open a door and vanishes as soon as you leave their presence. Um, and that got me thinking, but apparently the people that they meet who, you know, are created when they open the door, they still think they're real. And they have a full life memory, full head full of life memories. That came out weird, <laughs> but whatever. Um, which technically, couldn't that mean that June and everyone in the party could have also been created when they first entered the long stairs and just have memories implanted of existing on earth and Arab and everything that previously happened didn't really happen until, until this door opened. I mean, th- this is probably the most uh, parsimonious explanation for how things aligned just the way that they did when June arrived on Arab, right? Mm-hmm. Like this guy, the, the June that he body jacked had like the same moles, probably the same scars or whatever. Like mm. they, they, the universe contrived for them to have exactly the same meat suit. No. Right. Mm-hmm. It was, it was made there at the time. Um, could be happening in the stairs too, but I feel like it definitely probably happened on Arab. Um, you know, I think there was a, this, but could it be that the first previous 236 chapters we read, none of that really happened. It just now started real stuff happening. <laughs> um, and we're all reading implanted fake memories of something that never happened. I don't know if we'd be able to tell the difference because, yes. you know, none, none of this, like, I don't know, really happened, quote unquote. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. like it, we could zoom out in the context of the story and, you know, June could learn, oh, things only kicked off when I got to the long stairs. Um, yeah, that's that's possible. Um, sure. Seems like things happened before that, but that's how everyone else feels. But, that would be really neat. You know, like everyone else, I don't know, they didn't bring stuff from outside. You know, he didn't talk to the, the octopus people about like, so how'd you guys get here? Um, but yeah. I bet they would say something like, well, we've always been here or something, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, apparently that one octopus person has continuity with octopus people from 500 years ago and they've handed down memories. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I I, I like the idea though. There was um, yeah. What was that? I can't remember. Oh, it was, it, what the context was, but I remembered it was the uh, young Earth creationism, um, where you know the the last retreat of the young Earthers would be like, okay, so God actually did make the Earth ten thousand years ago because that's what we we believe. He just made it look older, mm-hmm. right? And so I think wasn't it wasn't a uh, Bertram Russell who had a uh, the like oh sure he could have made us five minutes ago with holes pre made in our socks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that this is La- this, or last Tuesdayism maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I don't know if he called it that or not, but it, I think it was, that's, that's what it's called now. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, this seems like a, a similar thing, you know, uh, could be, but unless we get word of God and or word from the text, it, there's no way to know. Right. I swear somewhere in the fourth, the candle in the previous 200 something chapters, we, someone mentioned last Tuesdayism in passing. Now I wish I could just do a quick search of the entire text, but I can't cause I don't have the whole thing open in the story or we did. I think in the story itself. Okay. Well, I'll, we'll take a look. Yeah. Um, but not at this moment. Yeah. We're, we gotta, gotta keep rolling. Yeah. Everything that we're going to breeze through, like, like Fen says that in the <laughs> document that they have, uh, that the thinking is that they're going to just breeze through, uh, the, um, the long stairs. And Amril says, I did not, and would never put it like that because Amrylis knows about tempting the narrative. And she's, I can just see the look of disapproval she's giving Fen right now. Yeah, uh, that's that's how you get fucked over. Uh, mm. e- even before their lives were being messed with by a malevolent god, I still think that she would never put super easy in any planning document, right? Yeah. Yeah, no way. No, she, she knows. That's just asking for it. All right, I did. So on AO3, you actually can open the entire document. Um, I'm only pretty sure all of it loaded, but I don't want to scroll to the bottom and check. But last mm-hmm. Tuesday does not show up anywhere near. La- L- last space TU has no results. Hmm. Okay. Well, and there's no way it's case sensitive, but no, uh, nope, nothing. All right. I mean, it's it's entirely possible though that you know it caps out. It's like quick search at a hundred thousand words, and uh, right. <laughs> it's like okay, I give up, forget it. You know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we're. Let, let, let me uh, yeah let's move on with the the lost stairs i want to get far enough where we can just talk about general vibe okay uh well in a general vibe the uh, june does says that in a sense it's a it's classic dungeon crawling except without any constraints on it being logical or possible or fitting in with any coherent theme or aesthetic and that sounds like really just awful to me because uh, it it reminds me of the um God, what was it? There was a craftwork dungeon in Plains, uh, RuneScape Torment, which was just the worst part of the entire game. The game itself was great, but I cannot get over that particular part of it because, and it was optional. I, as an idiot, went and did the optional thing that sucked. Uh, but it was just room after room, randomly generated walls, doors, random enemies in it, and you just kept doing that for until you stumbled into you know the final room and it was so lame and boring and like this is even worse because like what i love going on on dungeon crawls where there's like a history to it there's an in universe explanation for it and why it works together and you know this is oh look we underneath the 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 dungeon underneath the castle in the dungeon there's like this room where someone dug out of their prison cell and found that there's this underwater river uh, underground river right here and 
then that underground river leads to like a cave system and just within the cave system you can invite it like the whole thing ties together and it's atmospheric and just like randomly going from one randomly generated room to another with nothing tying them together is so fucking boring and lame it's it feels like you don't even need the fluff at that point why not just put x's and o's on graph paper and roll dice <laughs> So it doesn't sound fun for you uh, as far as like playing this game. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, there needs to be some coherent beauty and narrative in something. I like when games put like a, a veneer of that over this mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like um, God of War had two realms. Um, was it Moosefelheim and someone out nerd me and remember the other one. But um, like, one of them, it's the whatever the ruins are randomly generated every time. That is, once you get good at it, you actually realize that it's always the same shape, more mm-hmm. or less, but different things spawn, spawn in different places. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, then the other one is uh, Musfelheim, which is where Thor Ragnarok opens up when he's fighting uh, Surtur. So you know what it looks like. Um, okay. And uh, you're you're basically just fighting your way to the top through these contrived trials, but it's like the contrivance is that oh yeah, Surtur set these up or something right mm-hmm. but in a game that like takes itself seriously and is telling a story it finds a way to shove in just like that random fun um yeah by like but, I mean, pretending it's so, part of the story yeah well i mean they pretend it's part of the story and it has like a coherent aesthetic behind it right yes that's a good point it's yeah it's not just like random room after random room where sometimes it's a fantasy aesthetic sometimes it's a sci-fi aesthetic you walk into a cyberpunk you walk into victorian england just like with no rhyme or reason it uh I don't know. Part, I, I think I play the hell out of that game, but I but I appreciate where you're coming from. <laughs> okay. So there's I mentioned this before, but it turns out it's really easy to Google. Um, season five, episode thirty six of uh, Adventure Time. Mm-hmm. They're like eleven minutes long. Um, mm-hmm. It's called Dungeon Train, and that's the one I've mentioned before. Where like they they I can't remember how they arrive on this train. I saw it years ago, but like every dungeon, every car of this dungeon or this train is like a different dungeon with a new monsters and loot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Jake, the dog gets bored fast, but uh, Finn, the human is just like having the time of his life and mm-hmm. rampaging through this thing. And you see him like keep making rounds and he's got like better and better gear every time. And he's, you know, as is, <laughs> as is tradition, he he's getting like more ridiculous looking shit, but you know that it's all that much better. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, I think I, I think I would be the Finn in this case. <laughs> It'd be the Jake who's just sitting there like, man, this is boring. <laughs> cool. Well, alrighty then. Everyone should check that out. Uh, Dungeon Train, episode 36 of season five. I don't know where to find it. Um, oh, I was about to say if you can toss me a link, but okay, yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably on YouTube, but it probably shouldn't be on YouTube. So, Right, okay. It looks like it's on YouTube. Oh, no, wait, that's a different thing. I don't know where it is. Anyway, uh, yeah. But as far as in the story... What is your vibe on this? Like, I I like ha- I actually like the long stairs. I mean, in large part because of what goes on in them. But yeah, if I was playing it, I would I would hate it. But in terms of the story, it's really fucking cool. <laughs> okay, it, I wanted to make sure it, I was reading it, it right there. Yeah, the rooms themselves kind of blend together and get they all sort of feel slate gray to me and like it's an endless trudge from one room to the next. But I think that's also like the point. That it's supposed to be a long, endless trudge that's kind of boring and doesn't challenge you in in those game ways because it's not about that anymore. It's now about enduring the grind and also 
once they find uh, Uther, Arthur, having having Soch stuff with him. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, the like the, the long stairs weren't fun because of uh, the like how hard the monsters were, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were they were fun because of what they were what they found in there. Like mm-hmm. I I was just like enraptured by the by the vibe and puzzle of this place in a way that I was worried I wasn't gonna be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the the hell and like like we said, the hell thing was like the only lukewarm part of the book so far. Um, and the fell seed thing had this like surreal vibe to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was epic, but it, it felt like you know, like whoa, this whole time. Um, mm-hmm. This this is just like you know, again the the White House protocol, um, the octopus monsters, like the the team dynamics, like everything was spot on. Mm-hmm. I loved this place, and mm-hmm. uh, the the second thing started to get boring. Uther shows up. Yeah, right. It's perfect. It is. Well, uh, let's talk about some of the things that happen as they're trying to find Uther then, or Arthur. Yeah, let's do it. So they run into one of these dilemma rooms where there's two races of sentience humanoids. One of them's chained up. Uh, the others are, you know, leading the chained up guys. And they, they can't talk with either of them because they don't speak their language. <laughs> Such a shitty dilemma. <laughs> it really is. And I guess the dilemma is like, what do you do? And you can't even talk to them. I mean, I think they did the thing I would have done too. But like uh, June is saying, the point of dilemma rooms and most of the sentence rooms is that it's about what you do. It's about you, not about them. And Raven points out, what we do is influenced by what we think of them. If we think they're just going to fade out of existence when they close the door behind them, why should that reflect on us? Uh, Because... Yeah, they they just started existing a second ago. <laughs> They're going to stop existing in about a minute. What the fuck does it matter at all? And Amaryllis says, treat it like it matters. Like, what the fuck? How the hell do you treat it like it matters? The question, if they don't exist after this, then the question isn't what's right to do here. The only thing that really matters is what actions are the highest net benefit to us? Because we're the only ones that continue existing. And then it's not really a dilemma. It's just like... What do we think the DM wants from us? Okay, let's let's try to give him that. It's it's just such a bad concept. I I thought I liked the idea because it puts you in like, oh shit, what level are we supposed to read this at? You know, I walk into this room and it's a hostage situation. Do I take the hostages side or the um the hostage hostage takers side? Right. Like I don't know if this is Liam Neeson or his daughter's cap- captors. Right. Yeah. So. I don't know whose side I'm supposed to be on. It's so like that. That's actually like kind of a fun puzzle to walk into for me. The, the, the ridiculous and fun part of this. And like, this is obviously intentional is that they don't know. They can't talk to any of these people. Yeah. And so it's like, and what did they end up doing? They, uh, they just let them pass. See, that's, that's what I would do. Like, yeah. When in doubt, like, you know what? Not my business. You know, I, you guys carry on. Um, like what, I, if I, what if I knew you that you guys possibly do, if, if I knew that they were slaves or something, right. Then you kill the slavers. You know? Yeah, but how would you know that? Well, I don't know, but that that's the like that that does what, that solves the thing of like, well, you know, why does it matter that they're gone in a minute? And it's like, yeah, but they're still slavers; they're bad. Let's kill them. Like, I I guess what's the point of killing them if they're going to not exist anyway? <laughs> like, just let the room do the killing for you. So for that that brief instance, there will be justice in that train in that in that I was going to say train car in that uh, that room, right? <laughs> I I guess. I think that's that's got to be the only uh, only way to put it. I mean, and like the 
the only difference between a, a chain gang of murderers that are, you know, out paying back their debt to society and slaves is that one of those people are being forced to work justly and one of those groups of people aren't. And what what are you going to do? Like, ask to see the laws that these people were chained up under to see? <laughs> re- review the court transcripts to make sure this is just? Or what? Yeah, you're right. How, how do you confirm the legitimacy of the trial? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, what the fuck? And you can't even speak with these people. You don't know what's going on. So I guess the only real thing to do would be to kill everybody in the room and harvest their bones. You know, that might be the, honestly, that might be the best course of action because they are going to be dead anyway soon. Might as well get some bones out of it. And, you know, then no harm, no foul. They'll they'll appear again if anyone walks into that room again. Yeah. And I assume they don't need food because Bethel can still make food. Um, and they probably have more bones they can, than they could ever possibly need. But, you mm-hmm. know, more than they could ever possibly need. Let's, let's be real. There's no upper limit on that. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you can even barter some bones. Yeah. When you run out of hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So, um, they, uh, Bethel is a little later on talking about Arthur or Uther. Uh, and she says that he is, of course, responsible for the way that Bethel is. Uh, he's responsible for leaving me empty, for adding in so many entads I didn't want, for bonding with me, and then removing himself entirely. And I thought uh, that this is another metaphor for death, for people changing you and putting, you know, putting parts into you and then just leaving and being gone forever. And uh, I liked it. That part, that completely uh, evaded me. And I, I was thinking about how, you know, him leaving air was a metaphor for death. This was a nice catch. Uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't catch that. And it, I think it lands perfectly. Yeah. Uh, you know, granted, she she doesn't miss him. She hates him. But right. uh, it's it's the whatever language of her feelings there uh, yeah. taken out of context fit both ways. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. And it's interesting. She says she doesn't intend to harm him now. Um, she says that if she hadn't promised Amaryllis uh, and thought that she wasn't needed, she wouldn't even have come to Longstairs at all. And I think that's like, that's that's huge. She let it go finally. She got over it um, to the... To the best extent that you can, you know, where it's no longer the defining thing of your life and you're moving on. I seem to remember a nice fan fiction of, uh, uh, what's that one with the whale? Um, <laughs> Moby Dick? That's the one. Okay. Yeah. In a, in an Amake chapter of Message Rationality, there was a two-line short, short rationalist version of that mm. story, which was revenge on what? The whale? No, I think I'll just get on with my life. <laughs> Yeah, but Grant, granted, uh, being mad at the at the whale is different than being mad at Uther. Uh, yeah, because you can actually, you know, dish out justice on a person who did something actually wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. It's interesting. I like that June never quite gets over the possibility that like she could be lying. Um, yeah, but it doesn't quite matter because uh, it's it sure seems like a big moment. Um, mm-hmm. I'm. It, she, had, she had like a. I can't remember what it was later where she's like. You know, yeah, I'm still mad at him and I still want to hurt him, but I won't, you know, like that's, that's not my, that's not who I want to be anymore. But, you know, I wonder if I'm still a bad person because I still want to hurt him. And I'm like, are you kidding? The you of before would never second guess hurting him. Yeah. Like the, the you of before was just all about the immediate vengeance. And Mm -hmm. if you're having a bad impulse, like you don't, you don't get to control those. 
not just like the hurting of him, but old Bethel, she would have also lashed out and hurt anyone who even tried to imply that she shouldn't attack Uther immediately. Oh, yeah. All Raven did was say that this guy, you know, wasn't a baby eating alien. And, you know, she kicks the door in and cuts Raven's fingers off. Mm -hmm. Like that was who she was. She's come a long way. I love it. Yeah. And speaking of coming a long way and having big moments, Bethel tells June that the line I pulled out is, I appreciate the second chance you've given me because that was the line that sparked uh, the thought in my head that since Bethel is like the side of June that is rage and anger and like his violent tendencies and even Bethel managed to reform to the point where June, after having been raped by Je- Bethel, even June was able to give her a second chance that maybe that was the thing that made the DM think, you know what? All right. I hate June, but if he can give a second chance to his hated subpart Bethel, then maybe I can give a second chance to June. And that's why he let him go up against uh Felseed with a fair fight. I, I like the idea. The only thing is that he gave her a second chance before the first fight, you know, that she was already on her second chance. Yeah. But, but June didn't have that first chance yet. The first chance still had to be, denied to him well i mean wasn't the first chance like the first chance everyone gets Nah, his first chance was going up against felseed which he had to lose because oh, the, the, the get, dm had a yeah the dm had a justice boner that he needed to smash into june's face oh but <laughs> i see what you're saying after that then he was able to forgive june and accept him and let him you know go back and try again because he was the kind of person who, who could forgive bethel yeah okay but other than that like it didn't matter what he was going to do he was always going to kill him the first time yeah. Okay. I see where you're coming from. I, I can dig it. Like, I don't know. I, I liked the DM up until we met him in hell. Um, mm. You know, it. I, I'm still intrigued by him, but now, he, now he's mean. And it's like, yeah. you know, sure, he made hell and stuff before. But other than that, he was just always kind of a lighthearted, fun dude, you know? That is so weird. I never got that impression of him. I, I was on June's side when he beat him to death the first time they met because of how angry he was at him. Because I think... Just the DM seems like a legitimate evil bad dude if he created an herb with hells in it and with people suffering and dying in horrible ways, even if there wasn't a hell. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. How do I how do I square this? Um, like, I mean, yeah, he's a bad guy, he did bad stuff, but I, I don't know. He was he was he seemed nice enough, other than the hell business. Like, I mean, I, I know again, you have, you have no, to, aside from the killing of the 6 million Jews, you, you have to turn away from like, you know, the giant crime, but like, yeah. and you know, we, back then we had the plausible deniability thing about like, maybe there are pee zombies in there. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, th- he seems funny. He's got sneakers and punny, t- punny hoodies. And um, he's, you know, clearly loving the, uh, the opportunity to be like grandiose and mysterious. And um, mm. like, I can dig it. Um, oh man but then when you being get, funny as all takes i'm gonna really refine my humor <laughs> i think it can get you a long way um mm-hmm. but the uh um it when he, when when he's talking with june in hell like he he was so just mean yeah he was you know like the other times you know when he first met him and stuff he showed him the memory of like june consenting to doing all this and he was patient with him mostly um like it was like once June got fucked over and cheated to death, then he's like, no, you suck. And I've always hated you. And you know, you're contemptible. I want to smash your face, you know, against the sidewalk. And it's like, okay, shit. Like that is a whole other level of, you know, let's play a high stakes game together. You know, I think this is why you don't give allowances to 
mass murdering, crazy, sadistic gods just because they seem to like you personally and joke around with you. Like, still, still bad people, probably. And uh, it'll come around to bite you in the butt. <laughs> I mean, probably. I'll remember that wisdom should I ever meet uh, Precocious <laughs> God. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a, a certain kind of longing to meet a God like that. <laughs> nice segue to the next chapter a certain kind of longing <laughs> uh where they go into a room and start losing some magic i believe june specifically loses stilling and air and he's like oh shit yeah okay i was expecting this because the long stairs in the original long stairs campaign it gets more magical the further down you go uh and they started out at the far end in Arab, where everything is super magic all the way and so as they go up the long stairs, they're going to get less and less magical. And uh, then they, you know, at the top is Earth, which is just pure mundane and they don't have any magic at all. So that's that that's going to be an issue. You know, it just occurred to me that when Uther fought the fire team from Earth, mm-hmm. that they had, a, they had a high level mage. Mm-hmm. So Earth apparently has magic. They well, they have something, yeah. I mean, they have the Hellgate at the very least, but they say they pulled them from like uh, what PhD programs. It's probably something like you can start manipulating physics or or whatever as you get lower down into the into the long stairs. So the PhDs come along and start gaining magic abilities as they get lower and become more and more powerful. Yeah, but I think that unless they've got the game layer chicanery, like getting that good takes years and years, right? Maybe that's what the PhDs for. But I mean, how do you get a PhD in magic if it's all theoretical up until you're in there doing the magic? Well, if magic is a um, is an exploitation of theoretical physics, then you get some theoretical physicists. And as they get lower, the theoretical part becomes more practical and less theoretical. Could be. I, I wonder just how far you could get without any real world application. But then I forgot that like there are math PhDs, right? <laughs> um, right and i'm not putting that down i know that like no. you know math has like whatever the, the phd abstract mathematics has real world applications but like i've met mathematicians and i've asked you know like explain to me an idiot who did college algebra like and can't remember any of it um like can you can you explain like how some of this is like i look around where, where do i see the math that you guys do and mm-hmm. i can't really I, at least a couple that i've asked i never really got answers um yeah. you know i'm sure it's there and but even if it's not like I know that math is the language of the universe, I'm not like I'm not dissing it. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I'm a little jealous, but uh, I guess I was my I was gonna say I I wonder how far you can get when it's all purely theoretical. Um, but then it occurred to me I was like oh no you can I guess spend ten years studying something that's purely theoretical. But then when it stops being theoretical, how quickly do you get good at it? You know, like know. if if I learn all the math that you know down to down to the quirk of how to how how to hit a home run Mm. you know hitting a home run is still gonna be hard yeah it's still a lot different than knowing the math well maybe that's why i don't know Mm. can't tell you i I do not know enough about the physics of the long stairs because i was not given june's cool rule sheet or rule book that's a good point and we don't know what's going on on earth so yeah so amaryllis says i'd considered the possibility of loss of powers but not in the context of story shape and that stopped me because, like, they're in the long st- stairs here, which is kind of, you know, the underworld to Erb. And lots of times in Descent into Underworld stories, as the hero descends deeper, 
he or she is stripped of their powers, allies, weapons, abilities, just like one by one taken away at each gate, common in a lot of myths. And then like at the very bottom, the hero is alone and empty handed and everything's been taken away. And that, I mean, I, I almost want to dive into that, but then like, Amaryllis literally says it just a few paragraphs later, so I can't take any credit. She says, at the end, it will be you and Arthur alone together. It's possible you'll have to make a choice. I I don't know. Like, it's distinctly plausible, which is a bummer. Um, like, if they all had to die, you know, when I put this comment together initially, I'd said to get to Arthur because I didn't know they're going to meet him, you know, this chapter. But mm-hmm. I'll just say the end or Earth. Um, yeah. If they all had to die for, for the story to end or for him to get back to Earth or whatever, like, I think that's totally understandable inference from trope knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I said, it's done a lot. Um, but I don't know. June's adventure has just been about building relationships and tossing them aside just to get one door closer to Earth just wouldn't fit mm. uh, that that vibe. Um, and then well, it's, just, it's always supposed to be a deep sacrifice, not like a, oh, I'm just tossing you aside. It's like I'm removing everything that's important to you and everything that builds you up so that you can be brought down to to nothingness when you're into the in the underworld yeah i don't know i mean i was gonna say then june just wouldn't do it but i guess there's he needs the godhood to save all the souls um and he wants to find arthur but honestly i think he'd leave arthur from killing all of his friends um yeah but i mean like leaving arthur down there unfound and to return to his friends in some vague analogy of finding closure wouldn't satisfy our need for answers yeah and so um I I have this background concern that if Amaryllis has already bought into this version of stuff, which sounds like she has, she's probably got like a void bomb in her pocket to nuke the team of June acts like he's not going to make the right choice. Mm. I, I sure hope not. Uh, but that's yeah. kind of what I would do if I was her. It sounds like an Amaryllis thing to do, definitely. Like, okay, it looks like you're... It appears that you're waffling. Let me, <laughs> let me go ahead and make the choice for you. Uh, yeah. Then again, that would, that would ruin the narrative punch, right? Like, he needs to make the choice. So uh, she, she would know that. Pr- uh, It'd just be damn good scene in a story, so I think it it would work anyway. I mean, it it depends on why he has to lose his friends, right? Yeah. If it's just there to hurt, like that'll still count. Yeah, that'll still count. Uh, but if it's there for him to have to make the sacrifice himself, yeah. like does he have to sacrifice that which he loves or to lose that which he loves? Um, because that that's the difference. Often there's an element of you could turn back if you wanted to but then you won't get the thing that you need or that you want. Yeah. And, and you know, that's that's the role of the hero. The hero has to be willing to give up every single thing in pursuit of, of this, whatever the ultimate good is, of getting your lover back from hell. Or On the plus side, the end of this journey is going to be June as God, so he can just bring all his friends back. Yeah. You know, so sure, he has to throw them into the abyss or whatever, but he's like, I'll be, you know, I'll pick you guys up in an hour. You won't even know, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's probably not that easy, you know, for all we know, like this is going to be the one thing that he can't undo. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't especially know. if he gets all his powers taken away when he gets, if he goes to earth. Oh, I don't think he's going back to earth. Right. Okay. I mean, cause that's not what he wants either. He wants to either be God or go back to Arab. Yeah. Um, I don't think that, that what's he got on earth. Right. Right. So I don't think that's going to be the end goal for him or the destination of where they end up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. We'll uh, we'll cross our fingers and see how it plays out. All right. So June is also talking about how long stairs uh, relate to role playing games, 
He says, it's a dungeon crawl taken to the limits. Bits of unmoored world building, species that don't actually exist. They're just decoration. On Arab, you could look at a crystal floating by and dig into it, you know? You could learn about the magic, how it had been used, where the partial exclusion zone was, all kinds of things like that. Here, it's just detritus. Or detritus. Hmm, I always get that word wrong. Me too. Some of it, <laughs> some of it is literally just taken from a single line in a doc I had for ideas that needed development. And it got me thinking that Arab is the instantiation of what all games and all fiction are trying to represent. Because when when we read a piece of fiction like Worth the Candle, like there was that one cool um, turtle species that had like a miniature city or something carved into her back on her shell. I think it was a piece of decoration. Yeah, there was but also was a floating just... crystal on that same walk. That's what I remembered when he said, you see a floating crystal going by. Yeah. So yeah, on the walk to the library in Cranberry Bay. Right. Yeah. Like when you when you read Harry Potter and you he gets like some of the crazy contraptions in Dumbledore's room, they're just they're just there as cool little set dressing to the reader. Like their only existence is that one line in the book. But like our brains do so much work in in reading a piece of fiction and interacting with it that it makes it into a whole from that one line we infer like a whole existence, a whole world, a way that this plugs into that world. And we just see little bits of it. And Arab was like taking that and actually making the entirety of the world, the 10 earths of size, the 30,000 years of history behind everything that if, you know, if a really dedicated author had the time, they would probably want to do to, to create a world in its entirety. Uh, and that was, I thought that was a really cool insight into what Arab is and why it's so cool and such a thing that a a creative person like a dungeon master would fall in love with. That like all the things are just kind of hinting at and trying to draw pictures of come to life. And I mean, you know, Alexander did, did that with Arab, right? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Anyone who builds to, like a a coherent world does that. Um, like, well, I mean, no, because you can never have a co an entirely full world. It's it's just it's just a few hundred thousand words on paper, you know. It's not a world like the actual real world is, which is why Arab had to be an actual real world to see that brought to fruition. Oh, I see what you're saying, but I, I you know, if if you lower the bar a smidge, like uh, I guess what I'm saying is like you know, Wales gets gets a a medal that rolling doesn't, right? For for making because a world of- that's internally consistent, that right, like uh, you know. I, uh, what am I trying to say? Like you, you make a world that has enough sense and rules to it that someone can look at something that you didn't explain and mm-hmm. find a coherent extrapolation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like, you know, the, the snitch, uh, <laughs> there, there is no coherent extrapolation. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so it's like, th- that's, that's what I'm getting out with air because air does have that. Um, I mean, Arab doesn't even need that. Arab just has the thing and its entire history. Well, yeah, like real Arab, not Arab in our mind, or not Arab on paper. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm talking about Arab. You're on talking paper. about Arab on paper, but yeah, okay, okay, I, yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. I have no idea what it's like trying to write a story. So, like, I'm not shitting on Rolling for making. You know, she, there, there's a reason that those that that franchise has made tens of billions. You know, right? Um, yeah, like it's popular. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not putting it down, but it's a different kind of uh, challenge to set for yourself to make something that like people can poke at and try to bend and break, and it can withstand that, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all you, then, all you have to do is like, wait a minute, why don't they use the time turners anymore? Like for <laughs> canon Harry Potter to be like, you know, to just completely fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, cause that was the gimmick from the last book. It'd right. be boring to do it again. And, it, yeah, and, and I, as, as we learn in method rationality, like it gets really convoluted and complicated really fast. Mm-hmm. And so like, not to be mean, but I don't think Rowling had the, uh, I don't want to say brains, but um, whatever. I mean, she, she, that, that, was, that wasn't Maybe. her forte to like make that kind of, you know, deeply yeah. delve and she explain could have yeah. if she wanted to do that, but that just wasn't what she was there for. That's not what she was interested in. Thank you. So That's a better way of putting with, it. Yeah. Yeah. Whether or not she had the ability to, she didn't have, she didn't care to. Right. Which is fine because that's the kind of story it is. But, but, but for those of us who you know are going to are going to play it, like a, read a book, like we play video games, right? Right. Where can I break this? Where can I bend it? Um, what happens if I do this? Mm-hmm. You know. So I, I like stories that can withstand that. And I, I, yeah, I do too. And I think one of the really neat things about Long Stairs is just like how Arab is so much a literalization of everything else. The Long Stairs is like the literaz- literalization of what a fictional work is it's a fictional works relationship to Arab. Like it's just all these facades and these little things that you paint up and you put in front of the camera and it's good enough. And the viewer's brain does all the work when, you know, actually two degrees to the left, five feet off camera, there's some unpainted plywood, which, which is where the world actually ends. And, uh, and that's the long stairs. They're like, yeah, they're there. It's literally the world ends beyond this room there. They're, it doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's just this isolated little point of existence. And it was a, it was a cool way for Alexander Wales to draw that our attention back to that. I thought the difference between using like a paper mache T-Rex head versus using actual dinosaurs. Yeah. 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 No, that I, I can dig it. <laughs> Um, there, there was a, a good character moment here that I really liked. Uh, this, this brought back all of the like, oh, that's why we all liked Fen, or you know, mm-hmm. at least almost everybody, at least at some point. Um, mm-hmm. And it's this anyway. So she, I, I can't remember if this is before they decide to go through the wrong door. No, that's later. So they're just trying to get her to pick doors using her luck sense. Mm-hmm. And he says, just pretend you're on Monty Hall. <laughs> Jesus, dick fucking Christ, Juniper. First, I get that you love your Earth references. But second, Monty Hall was a guy who hosted a show called Let's Make a Deal. And third, have you ever even watched an episode? <laughs> and he's like, I don't understand how you've seen so much obscure television. I only know it from the Monty Hall problem. It was on network television for nearly 30 years, Amaryllis said. Am- hardly, obs- hardly obscure. And Fenton just like, I imagine gesturing towards Amaryllis, you know, wildly yeah. like, yeah, you see network television, ABC from 1942 to 1973. Read a book, June. None of that was correct. said Amaryllis. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> she, she makes up the station. She makes up the years. And then she says, read a book. Like the answer's going to get a book. When really it's like, watch more TV, June. <laughs> it was wonderful. This was, and Amaryllis just playing the straight man. Like none of that was correct. Yeah, no, no, you missed it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Consider like Janice, not a girl. Right. Yeah. Not a person. Um, yeah. Not a robot. The, uh, um, th- this was like the, the fun and lighthearted synergy that they had back in their murder hobo days. Yeah. And this, since this feels like a, you know, like a proper adventure crawl, this feels a lot more like Arab felt when we first got here, you know, mm-hmm. like, whoa, look at that. What's that thing do? Ooh, neat. Look at this. 
Um, mm-hmm. This is all viewed by them, like in the context of we know this is all fake and you know whatever, whatever. Well, it's as real as anything else, but we know it it goes away the second we you know we close the door, etc. But yeah. it still has that like you know wait is that a is that a zombie Voltron you know that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So oh shit, that just made me think. You know how you said it's as real as anything else. Is it immoral to create like a half dozen um, humanoid people with full memories of a full life, uh, emotions, hopes, and dreams, and then, you know, snuff them out of existence when the party leaves the dilemma room? Yeah, I'd have misgivings about it. Okay. I mean, you know, we, that's like a, a thing that some nerds, some, some nerds like us worry about here on Earth, you know, if we make sapient robots or sapient computers. Yeah. Um, you know, do we spin up a million of them and turn them off? Like, you know, at, at some point, their lives matter, right? Maybe if it's just real fast, like you just flick the switch on and off just for a few seconds, then it's okay. It probably is, you know, I, I'm not a moral philosopher, but I imagine that somewhere in the equation is a is a variable for time, right? I guess. It just feels weird if you've already, like, simulated their entire lives and plugged those memories into their heads. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe, like, the, the time variable there would be hard to know where to plug in. Do I plug it in at, like time in earth seconds at, at, at our level um mm-hmm. but do it subjective seconds do i do it like because to them they're maybe only alive for five minutes but it felt like they were alive their entire lives yeah so that that as far as i'm concerned they were alive their, their entire lives for the purpose purposes of the ethical calculation right i guess i know that even if i was made just as we started recording this podcast i wouldn't want to be turned off once we're done with the podcast exactly i yeah, I got cool shit I could want to do after this. Right, because you have memories of people that you've met before and things you want to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, that's how I feel about spinning up agents and uh, beings with histories, right? But like, on the other hand, the people who are listening to the podcast don't care. As long as I get flicked on again in, when we record our next podcast and I have memories inserted of the week in between to draw from that... If, if they knew that they were turning on sapient simulations to make the show... Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, I don't care. I'm going to keep doing it because I somehow enjoy this podcast enough to be worth the effort. <laughs> um, then I feel like they're doing something wrong. Right. Hmm. Like, uh, what, what, I mean, but what if like after when they flip on that, flip us on to record the podcast again, we do have all the memories of the week in between. So it feels to us likely we lived it. Oh, I mean, that could just be real life. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that gets to, uh, one level of recursion deeper that I'm going to lose myself in. Okay. So, but I like it. Uh, yeah. I, I want to cover just briefly. I, I mentioned how, th- so they, they run into that, the octopus people on the first landing, right? Mm-hmm. And he, he barters with a hot dog and it, yes. to get the babble fish that actually all it does is just babble in your ear. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't translate. And so, uh, Fen's like, oh, I'll offer a hot dog. I remember how you were really intent on hoarding them. So if you don't want to try using one now, I'd understand. Maybe in the future, there'll be something you'd need 97 hot dogs for. You'll only have 96 hot, hot dog wishes, right? <laughs> yes. I, I'm glad you're laughing because you get it. She's calling us yeah. out. Yep. This is, this is me who runs into the boss battle of every game with 90, you know, 97 max health potions, having never used them the entire game just in case. And I'll never, I won't use it for the boss either, you know, just <laughs> right. in case. <laughs> if you need that potion, you're just going to have to reload and try again instead of using a potion. Pretty much. But so, I, 
Yeah. My my yeah my my previous partner always called that saving for my video game retirement. <laughs> She's like, "What the fuck are you saving those potions for? You can have a video game retirement once you're done with this game." I'm like, shut up. That's you know, uh, I when I would finish games like Oblivion or, or Skyrim, I would go you know you buy houses and stuff, and mm. I would take all the cool shit I had and then I'd put it on mannequins and put it in in display shelves and stuff. Um, oh, so you actually had a use for them in those games. I did do a video game retirement, basically, yeah. Okay, I played a lot of games that didn't have a video game retirement. He just got an ending, you know, montage thing. Yeah, I mean, that said, it doesn't do anything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's probably more pointless than just having having hoarded them. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I just like how... Um, so you only have 97 hot dog wish or 96 hot dog wishes left. Uh, <laughs> All right. Odds that June's going to run into a situation where he needs 97 hot dogs before the end of this. Uh, well, he only has 95. He got, I think two because he gave one to oh. the frog. Oh, you're right. Okay. Yeah. So somewhere it's something that needs 96 hot dogs for. I don't know, man. Uh, it's really hard to think of a situation like <laughs> Bethel can make food. You know, if she stops being able to do that. Then he'll need them for sustenance. Right. Now, you, it'd be something you specifically need cafeteria hot dogs for, and you need exactly 96 of them for some reason. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, the DM could do this. Oh, Just yeah. Do the, the odds, what are the odds that they actually fall into the situation? I mean, next to zero. Okay. But it would be really funny. It would be hilarious. Oh, you should have should held on to those hot dogs. Um, <laughs> right. But Tried that, to warn you, June. But then we know that the DM just made this, because June, you know, asked for that wish, right? Yeah. Like a million. No, actually, no, the DM suggested the wish. Yes, he did. Yeah. Hey, what if you want, don't you want a, a you know infinite hot dogs? Mm. Uh, no, why would I want that? Well, just because you know, just in case. Uh, you yeah. never know. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe I've got something funny planned. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I did love the other thing you pulled out with the octopus people. Like, she <laughs> asked, "Why would I want that?" It's like I don't know your business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why would I want your pointless garbage, man? I don't know what you need. Maybe you want it. Like, just imagine like that's you at a garage sale. And it's mm. like, oh, yeah, this is my, you know, uh, whatever, this the the trash can from my office. It's got toenail clippings and used tissues in it. That's totally $300. What the fuck am I going to do with that? It's like, I don't know what you want to do with it, man. It's like, I don't want to do anything with it. What are you talking about? But, you know. <laughs> well, the don't octopus, buy it then. Yeah, the octopus uh, whatever thing doesn't doesn't mind at all. So, um, But they were crazy for the hot dogs. Yes. So <laughs> I just, uh, you know, they're. They, they make their way through this, like we talked about. Grack is checking every room for Entads, and they come up across a dead adventuring party, supposedly from Earth. Um, they come to a landing with those brain slugs from Futurama, um, except for their octopuses. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they're in a room full of green goo that sucks you down. Um, and they're they're tossing out the they're like they're, they're discussing the idea of um, like, well, you know it. It's it's possible that he, because there's oh there's entads detected in there that's the thing or at yeah. least one mm-hmm. and then they're they're deliberating and I'm like you know this is just stupid enough that it could probably that this is distinctly plausible right mm-hmm. like you know oh yeah he's stuck in goo uh, <laughs> but he's not stuck you know he's he's precisely where he wants to be that's the difference that uh, that sounds like some kind of bullshit that a wizard would pull out I mean he's he's a wizard after a fashion isn't he. Yes, he is, and it was bullshit when Wizard said it too. <laughs> I'm precisely where I mean to be. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, the uh Bethel feels the uh, or detects it's a perfect sphere down there, and he's like, Oh fuck, because June knows immediately what it is. He's, it's a bobbler. Projects a sphere around you, so for you, no time passes. And I 
like the first time I read this, I, when I read this, I was like, oh, cool, neat, like from uh, Werner Vinge's stories. But then when I was reading through this the second time, it jumped out and smacked me in the face when he mentioned this, like around chapter 100 something. Uh, it, it was just kind of like a throwaway thing, and you wouldn't even pick up on it, even if you you know were familiar with Werner Vinge's works. Uh, it, it's just you don't expect it to come back up again in the game, you know, so, or in the novel. So when I was reading through it the second time, I was like, Oh, Holy shit. There it was the whole time from the beginning. Oh yeah. It was when he was talking to Everett. Was it that? Yeah. Okay. I could think of half a dozen things that could have sent him forward in time. The most likely of which was a bobbler that I adapted from Werner from Vinji's marooned in real time for a campaign. Nice. Nice. Yeah. What a fun thing to see on the second read. Be like, Oh shit. He mentioned the thing. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah. This uh this control F is less dangerous now that I have read more of the story, so Yeah. You know, I can just take a glance at the sidebar and if it's basically touching the bottom, then I'll know that I'm not supposed to read it. Mm-hmm. Um so uh Grack, they're like, okay, well I could turn the turn the uh the antet off, but like if it is Uther down there, and that's a big if, and if this thing's keeping him alive, like we could just kill him. How dumb would that be? So um he uses a ward to like split the goo and then Bethel raises the orb out and then crack, uh, disables the, um, whatever the orb, the bobbler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's just empty space and June's like Uther. And then boom, there he fucking is. Mm-hmm. So that was exciting. Uh, that was really cool. Yeah. My heart was racing. I think that was like Wednesday night when I was reading this. And I was cool. like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> I can't put this down and, and I'm going to sit on this for five days. Um, but it was, I don't know. It was awesome. So I think I did stop for a while to think about it. Cause I, I didn't like how he called him Uther. Okay. Um, and you know, we, we switch back and forth when we're talking about him and yeah. I think June does a bit too. And it's totally understandable. This, this, this person is, is both of these people Yeah. and they are, uh, continuous to an extent, but they're distinct. Yes. Right. And, and so, and he's been known by as Uther for a lot longer total in his life than he has been known as as Arthur. Yeah, I still think that he should have said Arthur, but like, yeah. why is that? I I mean, it's I don't know. I, so there's a handful of reasons. I mean, on the one hand, I mean, I agree with you, but I'm curious why why you just think that. No, no, it's I it's worth it's worth exploring because I'm I think I think about this a few times throughout the rest of the reading. Like on the one hand. By calling him Uther, like you just sound like an, another doppelganger. He's been lambasted by copies of his friends his whole time here, right? Mm-hmm. So, Uther, we need you. Like, okay, I've heard this story, right? Okay, yeah. But if someone said, Arthur, is that you? Like, yeah. oh, I haven't heard that name since I got here. Uh, that that sounds like he'd be more, uh, I don't know. And it, it puts distance between them, right? Yeah. And I get that the, the distance is real. Yeah. Uther's like 50. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, there's, there is a, an emotional distance there, but this reinforces it. And I think it's Maybe. not so much that like, I think that June is wrong about doing that. I think it just bums me out that he's doing it. Okay. Because like, I don't want there to be distance. I want them to be, you know, chummy. Um, yeah. but they are, there's, there's a lot of time there, you know? Yeah, man. Uh, and, and especially like the, the guy he knew, Arthur, was a 17-year-old kid and then, like, from Kansas. And this person standing in front of him is, like, some dude in his 40s or 50s wearing amazing epic armor. Like, I can I kind of understand how he might have accidentally defaulted to Uther without even meaning to. 
Yeah, no, I think it, it's it's happening by default, or like you said, um, unintentionally. Yeah. Uh, this this doesn't look like the guy I knew in high school, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this looks like the guy I heard the stories about. Yeah. And like he he will know intellectually on a piece of paper he had checked the right box on the test. You know, these are the same person, but they are very different people. You know. Yeah. As we find out as we go along. Yeah. Arthur's unfazed, and he's like, "Hey, it's me, June." So it would seem. Okay, start mm. and then start like quizzing each other. June wants to ask him some questions about his time on Earth, but he's like, it's been a long time. You might not remember. And uh, Arthur says, ask away. If I don't know, I don't know. And he looks over at Raven and says, I assume you taught him the protocols. And June answers, they did. And I remembered some of them from our games. Uther looks at June for a bit, then turns to Raven and says, you know everything then. And when I first read that, like it took me a second to put together why he said that. Like, what, did, what do you mean, he, you know everything? Just the fact that June said in front of all of them, I remembered some of them from our games and nobody like was confused. And June had the body language of someone that exp- expects everyone to know what's going on. Uther just picks up instantly that, oh, okay, so everyone here knows that we're originally from Earth and we played games and stuff. And that's just like, He's a really fast dude. He picked up on a lot very quickly, uh, which I thought was really cool. And also, it's cool that he seems to be, at least at first here, mainly speaking to like Raven rather than June and not treating June like as the leader of the party. Because, I mean, for starters, he probably doesn't know that June's leader of the party. But Raven is the person that like he remembers most recently from his life and that he's the most he's had the most total interactions with her over the course of his life than with June, because he's had like 40 years with her and only, I don't know, a handful of years with June. She's like, Raven is Uther's closest friend here, not June, which I thought that was kind of interesting that it it wouldn't have occurred to me either. If I was June, that actually he might be better acquainted with, uh, with Raven than with me because it's, he adventured with her for so long. Yeah. I, I knew what he was saying when he had said, um, you know everything because it's like oh, okay yeah he dropped the game bombshell and what do you mean you remembered them so like you know it and he notices that raven doesn't look confused right so but mm-hmm. the uh but i know what you mean like it, it does take a second and he got it faster than we did um mm-hmm. he's a he's a sharp cookie uh yeah i was gonna say that he's acutely aware that he's uh like he's fixed it on raven because he knows that like oh i was lying to her this whole time and now she knows right yeah um, that too and she was one of my adventuring companions and yada yada but he thought Amarillo's was his daughter uh, yeah. until after this, you know, for a few more paragraphs. And he's right. not like, oh, sorry, Dolly, I didn't mean to deceive you either, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's because he's probably closer with his companions than he was his family, which is probably definitely true, actually. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it does say he looked over at Raven and Amaryllis when he says, I assume you taught him the protocols. That's a good point, yeah. Um, <laughs> he thought it was her. I, uh, I remembered that the... Oh, it was also with Everett, you know, the other, um, well, I guess, and Raven and Palada. Okay, they mentioned it a few times that she looks just like Dahlia. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll watch the dynamic with Raven here. Things, they keep talking. Yeah. And there's more proof of him being a very sharp cookie because uh, when June says, what movie did we see early in May? And uh, he replies, May 6th, Captain America Civil War. That's when you came up with Mumrath. I think, you know, this is, Superhumanly good memory. Uh, I, I don't remember 
the exact date of movies that I saw 40 years ago. So I think this might be one of the perks of having near max to instats. It could be. I mean, it's, he's definitely got that because he can read at the speed of, you know, as fast as he can turn pages, which is faster than the rest of us can. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that I would probably obsess over every memory I had from earth. If like, if I left earth today against my will, um, I would probably be able to put together, I'd probably put together timelines of everything, especially the last month of my life. Okay. Yeah. Cause this was, um, which actually brings to mind, do you, do you remember I could look it up, but I, that actually doesn't like I would control if I were right into a spoiler. Um, do you know, uh, when Arthur died? Like I know it was laid out at some point in the story, but do you remember if it was the exact date that is on that bag that they found? Uh, what was it? Um, Oh, June 2016, mid June. I don't know. It sounds like it would be right around then. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay. So I'll double check that. Um, but yeah, so the, you know, this would be when this movie that he went and saw is one of the last things he did, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that it makes sense that he's, uh, um, I'm sure he remembers everything about it. Uh, okay. I, this is like one of the things he rehearsed a million times to get, you know, I'm not crazy. This definitely happened, you know? Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, it's also June is conscientious of the fact that like, Oh, I don't want to say right before you died. Um, yeah. You know, so, uh, early May. Um, yeah. Cause he doesn't know if Arthur knows that he's dead or rather mm-hmm. that he died. Cause he's not dead. He's right here, but right. you know what I mean? Uh, so or, uh, Uther asks him, you know, have you spoken with the DM? Cause, uh, June says something about that. And he's like, Oh, you've gotten far. Uh, you know, you've gotten that far then have you? Cause he's like still keeping it at arm's length. I don't think he thinks it's him yet. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you spoke with the DM and he's like, yeah, three times. And he says, I only had the one conversation. And June says with Vervain before you killed him. And Juther or Juther, <laughs> Uther <laughs> is like old history. And he looks down at the goop and he's like, eh, we should be on our way. Um, and one, I like how he's just chill as fuck. Uh, you know, Oh, you talk at the DM three times. Well, I got shit to do. See ya. Um, <laughs> but also June doesn't get to act like killing Vervain was a bad thing to do. Um, yeah. we, we talked about, you know, what, what was the first thing June did when he met the DM? <laughs> well, okay. But the DM also wasn't wearing, you know, Fen's body or, or like Vervain of someone that Uther had known for a long time. Wouldn't you be more mad in the situation? Not less. Like I don't, know. I don't know if somebody that you're you know close to for twenty years took off their took off their mask and they're like aha I was actually the person who's been ruining your life for the last twenty years. Well, I mean, if it was the person ruining my life, then I would be very upset. Yes, I think that that that's where you know I think Uther was even more justified in killing Vervain than June was in killing the DM. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yep. Uh, I think. Yeah, because I I keep thinking like if someone took off their mask and was you know actually. I, I am an alien or something. I'd be like, well, that's okay. You still love me. I still love you. But then like, if it was, if it was actually, I'm the person who killed your dog and then, you know, killed your mom and then ruined your job and de- destroyed your reputation and all did not be like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Now it's time to kill you. Yeah. Fuck you, man. Totally. And I, I bring this up only because I think that like June would know that. And it's not that like he's carrying an idiot ball. It's that this is like, he's very understandably emotional. Yeah. Um. Like, so he's like, "Oh, it was right before you killed him, huh?" Because like he's he's trying to process his his feelings. Feelings are hard. Uh, yeah. And this is this is an insane moment. He didn't get you know the proper time to brace himself for it. 
Like, sure, they were here looking for him, but then he just shows up out of this pile of goo. You know what? You are right. This is a thing that didn't jump out at me, but what the fuck, June? What do you mean before you killed him? Like, you're throwing accusations at Arthur for fucking killing the dude, which had been ruining his life this whole time. Again, I I know... Being a self-righteous prick. No, I think I'm not going to even... I'm not going to give him a diss for it. I think that, you know, if he gets a chance, I'll reflect on this later and be like, oh, yeah, I was was, uh, frustrated. You know, I was scared and freaking out. So I was just trying to, like, you know, keep emotions sensible. Um, Like, this really impresses on me how much Uther has matured. How... Because, I mean, I guess June's still 17 and Uther's still in his 40s or 50s. And instead of being like what I would have done, and we're like, fuck you, June. You know, and and he's just like, "Mm, old history. Well, we should be on our way. Because he's like, yeah, now this is a kid. He doesn't doesn't get it. I'm not going to convince him right now by blowing up at him. Whatever, let's move on. And maybe later he'll be like, oh, man, shit, I shouldn't have said that. I'm glad that it didn't strain anything with Uther, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think Uther loses patience once, and he has plenty of cause to. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the first of all, June's 18, um, but you said 17. Yeah, I guess he's been here long enough. I, I just, and I think they have like a, wouldn't this be my birthday kind of thing at some point? Um, You're right. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. Um, yeah. So he is now actually an adult and not a child right. anymore. N- now he's an adult okay. worthy of, of judgment. You know, gotcha. before that, he was yeah, just yeah. some stupid kid, and who can we fault him for? So. Or what can fault him for? But yeah, I, uh, this was, um, and this made more sense as I read through, but like watching him just like, Oh, well, look at the time. We've got to keep going. And he doesn't like wait to see if they're following him. You know, Mm -hmm. um, it, it becomes clear later on, but I'm like, dude, what the hell? (laughs) Like slow down. Mm -hmm. Um, but he, I think quite understandably doesn't think that they're real. Um, I had the exact same reaction. Like what, what are you doing? Just rushing off. You just ran into June again. In fucking Arab on the long stairs of all places. Yeah, I I mean... And then we find out why. But yeah, yeah when I first was reading it, I was kind of freaking out a bit. Yeah, I I did pause to think about it. I'm trying to see if I wrote anything in this note that I didn't already say. Um, I guess I was, I was thinking like, okay, if I if I ran into... If I was if I was Arthur and I wanted to seemingly Juniper Smith, I'd try and test that it was actually him, right? Hmm. And they kind of do that. But I think that he's just like, okay, cool. He passed like the basic test. Um, but there is no test that would be satisfactory for me. Yeah. Like the DM can read my mind. Right. Which means that if you give me an answer, I have to know the answer to know that you're right. And that means that you can give me the right answer because you can, you can read my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's literally, I I can't think of anything that, uh, you know, even my secret password to my future slash past self that I've, del- you know, have, have had for myself for the last decade, like the, the DM would know that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's nothing that I could be like, okay, how do I know it's really you and not, uh, whatever, uh, simulation of you that isn't safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Prove to me you have thoughts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, damn it. Now we're back to that again. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's easier. Well, I think we're, we're actually at the age in history where I was going to say, I think that's easier, um, than the people give it credit for. But I, yeah. I imagine that by the time this airs or, you know, uh, in three months, there'll be another, maybe this was Sapien AI. Um, mm. And uh, like me being like, Oh, I'm sure. I think it's easy. And people give it credit for like, people are like, ha, you, that, that, that aged poorly so quickly. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, this is a tough spot. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, it's when someone can read your mind that well, there's, there's literally nothing that you can do to, to prove that, you know, 
you're not a doppelganger. Well, and you can't you can't prove that you're sapient unless we're going to start granting that like GPT three is sapient, which it might be. Um, mm. But it's like, well, it's, hmm, you look like June. You know June's uh, history, and you you generate new thoughts that sound like the kind of things June would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're probably just a robot. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a totally reasonable position. Um, but it's a uh, it's tough. Um, and June's not doing himself any favors. Um, he's like, do you have any idea where you're going? And Uther's just like, yeah, back to earth. And which, I mean, isn't an answer, right? Uh, mm-hmm. it's like, he's not saying yes, two lefts, then a right. He's just like, yeah, I'm going home. Um, yeah. and then June says, Arab needs you. Ooh. And that, I, I don't know if you had the same kind of like face palm slash what the hell moment, but again, this is more just him like emotionally, uh, kind of like, dude, hold on a second and talk to me kind of thing. Right. He's mm-hmm. trying to get something to put, you know, make Arthur stand still for one fucking second and talk to him. So he tries mm-hmm. to appeal to Arab, which he assumed he cares about. Um, but I'm just like, come on, June, like hell Arab needs him. Like, that's the last thing you need to say to him. It'll just convince him even more you're an NPC. And yeah. it's not even true. Yeah. Arab doesn't need him. He's done. Arthur's done with Arab and you're going to be God here eventually soon. So mm-hmm. Arab doesn't What what is what what problem is Uther going to solve if he, if he walks back into Arab? Yeah. Like non rhetorically, I can't think. I mean, sure, he could hit. Maybe he could he could scare Hell back into compliance. But honestly, Hell's probably not invading anymore because they're stoked of all the all the souls reigning in, right? Oh, um, I don't know. They're probably still scared of being all killed off by uh by Val. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. I just like I'm just trying to think of like what what problem could Uther actually solve? Yeah, like not not really any other big ones. Maybe he could find a new way to bottle souls or something, right? But Right. Like, no, that's, you're not here because Arab needs your help. You know? Yeah. June is literally bullshitting him. Yeah. But he, I, he is, yeah. He, he's, he's emotionally desperate. And I totally get it. So I, I want to emphasize again, when I was reading this, I was like, oh man, June, I wish you hadn't said that, but I totally get why he's saying it. This is where Arthur makes his revelation uh, of what he thinks, why he's just ignoring them and moving on. He says, June, none of this is real. Every inch of Arab is something you made up. Every species, every landmark, every magic was all from your head. If you're really Juniper, then you have to recognize that, don't you? It's a game. It's not real. And I'm done with it now. So yes, I'm going home. Uh, and then a little bit later, he said, when they're trying to tempt him to come back, he says, show me new plot threads, new characters. It does not matter. I am done. Yeah. I mean, they're talking past each other and it's heartbreaking, but awesome. Yeah. Uh, like I get, um, first of all, it's fun. Like the way that he talks kind of that grandiose way, like Harry talks, mm-hmm. um, show me new plot threads, new characters. It does not matter. I am done. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, he talks like a character in a book, but because he's been cosplaying as one for 40 years. Yeah. Like it's, it's epic. And I, I completely yeah. get it. It's awesome. And I'm done jumping ahead here because it's relevant. I'm just pulling that this quote from, uh, I think it's the next chapter, but where he's saying like, I know what's going on here. It's the DM trying to pull me back into the game again. He, he points to Juniper. He says, Juniper, my old friend from high school and the architect of everything on Arab, uh, begging me to come back. Grack, a warder to show me advancements in the state of the art and reveal a new higher tier of magic. Amaryllis, strong and capable descendant uh, who looks exactly like my beloved daughter, ready and willing to take the role of Dahlia, but without any of the baggage. And then Raven, a last companion, a connection to the old knife, a font of knowledge, now an adult. And, I mean, looking at it, he's not wrong. Like, in every single thing he said is spot on. And honestly, this is exactly what happened. And I can't even say that 
he's wrong. Like, like, what are we going to do? Like, tell Arthur, nah, we've got 236 chapters of it being about June to prove that this isn't about you. It's about June. Like, who's he going to believe? People that he can't hear because they're on a podcast and not in the story? Or his own lying eyes? <laughs> believe your own lying eyes. Um, yeah, this this is the crux of their, misunder- their miscommunication. Um, yeah. I get where he's coming from. I think he's wrong, but he's very compellingly wrong, right? See, I think he's right. I think it's entirely possible that DM even did this on purpose to have this conflict between them where June, June, look, Arthur is actually right. This is literally why I did it. I want to get more Uther stories. This is why you're here. How are you going to deal with this uh, with this particular conflict now? I think that, I mean, it's possible, but it's, I think it's only because June got caught up in his emotions that he even mentioned Arab needs you, right? Like, if the idea was to drag Arthur back to Arab, he would have found somebody who actually really wanted him back to Arab. When all, I, all, all Arthur, all June really wanted was like, can you sit still for five fucking seconds and talk to me? Um, well, I mean, this could be the DM's last gasp because he, he already tried sending his sons after him, right? Like this is, this is the only thing he can think of that might bring him back. And um, importantly, like when he says, when June says Arab needs you, like when you pointed out that's dumb and it's wrong and it's kind of out of character for June to be that dumb and wrong. Like it could be an emotional outburst or it could be that like the DM was like, you know what? In this one specific case, I am going to make June blurt out that mm-hmm. thing because I want it to, to be clear to Uther that this is, this is why this NPC is here. It's <laughs> in Soviet Arab, the NPC quest giver is you, you know, it's June is doing the DM's work. And I think it could be like a dual thing. Like the DM is mainly here for June's story arc and to get June therapy and whatever, but also if on top of that, he can get Uther back and get another storyline out of Uther. God, that's a nice cherry on top. So he just kind of, he slips that in right there and sees, sees how it works out, hopes that it'll, it'll work out with Uther coming back. But if not, at least he got some darn cool drama out of it for several chapters, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I like the, I think that they, when they're talking about it, they even say it could be both of us. Uh, Cause I think it's, mm-hmm. it's clearly both. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, uh, if they were going to just try and drag him back to air, like just to like, Hey, you were a lot of fun. Let's get you back in there. Um, first off, I'm not convinced that they couldn't, you know, that the DM can't just restore Uther from a previous backup. Right. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess the other thing is that why then have June go through such a long adventure and grow so much as a person and have all these trials and tribulations and not just like kind of have him land there and run straight to Uther and be like, Oh my God, Arthur, it's me. I have no idea what's going on. Can you help? Yeah, well, like you said, it's it's very likely both. He was he wanted to see all this June stuff and to have an adventure with June and to give June therapy, but also slash maybe to, get the slash to torture thing. him. It seems like slash <laughs> to torture him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Make him pay for that shit that he did on Earth, and then maybe get Uther back too, and that would be also cool. Yeah, no, yeah, um, two birds with one stone. Um, yeah, uh, this kind of you know, speaking of stones, um, we between that conversation and. Uh, the last thing we covered, um, he just, Arthur just seizes Bethel. Yeah. Um, he's, Oh, the end tad. Nope. Shut up. And he just turns into a ring and he just starts walking off. Yeah. Um, and then Fen, <laughs> she has a nice way of putting it. And she says, seems kind of bad that he stole Bethel <laughs> like real bad. 
We've got a don't kidnap party members rule, don't we? I thought I remembered a clause like that. Want me to shoot him? Friends don't let friends (laughs) steal friends. Exactly. And yeah, I think this is a very big deal. And this is one of the things that, I mean, June does a lot in these chapters that really gets on my on my nerves on my bad side but this was a really big one to me like it pissed me off that june didn't immediately just drop everything to unenslave bethel like he hasn't even told uther that she's a person yet he's he's kind of tagging along he's talking about like oh Arab needs you oh other stuff oh fucking uther's got this person on his finger that he doesn't realize is a person he thinks it's just a house and like fucking june get your priorities in order we all know that you're Utherpated, but you're throwing Bethel to the wolves, and that's bullshit. I love your emotion, love your passion. I know I'll feel dumb for asking. Utherpated is a hyphenated word, but I know the suffix, but it's not coming to mind. Twitterpated? Oh, then I should. Is there another pated that isn't a made up thing at the beginning of it? No. Um, what does it mean then? No. I feel like I've heard Twitterpated this. Is, Twitterpated is from Bambi. There was the. the word they made up to be a cutesy word for you know like is sexually attracted to has a crush on that kind of thing oh i thought you were mentioning twitter the uh that shitty social networking app Um, oh uh oh yeah no it's kind of interesting how it has the same uh same name but no twitter paid it is yeah old disney gotcha for uh in in like like with Um, yes yeah okay i can dig it um in june's defense because Fortunately, I've been vindicated in all of my uh, Arthur <laughs> Arthur standing this whole time. Um, like it, it, it happened very fast, right? Uh, yeah. And when he grabs her, he's like, "Wait, you can't just do that." Um, he, so he does like tell him, "Hey, you know what the hell? You can't do that." But Arthur's like, "La di da, I'm going on my way." You know. I mean, for all Arthur knows, he might be thinking that Juno's saying, "You can't just take my my entad. It's mine." I, I think he is. And uh, I, in a way, that's like, that's kind of a dick move on, on Uther, right? He's just like, ooh, my old toy. And he just takes it. And it's like, but hold on, I, I found that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gonna take, we could take Sable from Amaryllis now, too. Um, right. So, like, uh, I, I think that that was the, I, I think it, it happened quickly. That's my defense of June. But I think the other thing is that, like, you know, unless he's going to shoot his friend in the back to try and rescue his probably sentient rapist then his hands are sort of tied right he's like i'm gonna follow him and try and argue with him you know i I mean i guess sure i understand that he he has more concern for uther than for his rapist but well and also like he hasn't even tried to tell uther that she's a person yeah it's interesting how long it takes him to get around to that point um yeah that that is uh again it's not like june's being dumb like he's in shock I'm, i'm a lot of this is well talked up to shock and it's written in a better way than like, yeah, you know, I liked how it was on a method of rationality because Harry, you know, was uh, like being unbelievably self-aware was kind of his own, what was one of his whole things, but he'd be like, Oh, I'm in shock. And he would think that therefore, you know, that's, that's the author telling us Harry's in shock right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't get, you know, June's pulse went up, you know, he couldn't believe his eyes. I don't think there's a line like that, um, yeah. but no doubt that's how he's feeling. Um, yeah. And so if he's not making the best arguments, I think it's just because he's just like blah, 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 the whole time, right? Um, Yeah, but I just, this entire book, I'd gotten so used to June being somewhat rationalist, not as much as Amaryllis, obviously, and he would get a lot more emotional than she would, but he was always a fairly sane dude. I I was used to him like 
speaking for me and like he fell down in these chapters very badly doing that he fell down when confronted with uther god killer pendrag you know and i and you know arthur isaac bloom like this this is of everything he's encountered here so far this is the least this is like the most unbelievable most insane thing that's happened to him i'm giving him a pass but I understand yeah. that it's like, oh, come on, man. Also, I, I was going to say, I understand that it's like, come on, you, this is this is when you use your tools when you need them. But right. isn't it always the way that when you need them was when you forget that when you forget about your tools? That's fair. But also, like, at the very least, I would have liked something like, you know, like you said, heart racing, palm sweaty, something to show us that he's he's in a, a slightly altered mental state here and not at his peak reasoning capacity. You know, I think there are things like that. Um, at, like there's nothing that says I'm in shock, but there are things where like, there's the time pressure is a real thing. You know, you found him and you know that if he closes that door, like, and you're not through the door with him, then he's gone. Yeah. Right. So there, there's like a, holy shit, we need to chase him. Like he's just going to leave us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after all of this, if he, if he closes that door, if we open it, he's not going to, that's not gonna be the same room. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to lose him forever. Like, so the, the time pressure is real. Um, but there was uh, another, I don't know, uh, g- give me your feedback on this. So, you know, he leans in, he's like, ah, the end tad. And she's like, I go by Bethel. And he's like, nope, stop talking. And she stops. Um, yeah. The fact that she immediately fell to his command is more confirming evidence to him, certainly, that she's just a talking Roomba, right? Yeah. And yeah. It's like when you say, Alexa, shut up. Right. It, But it's also, I think, weak evidence to us. Like, I get that there's magic compulsion and stuff, but, like, that's not how things work, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's, we already know she's a person, so it's zero evidence to us, basically. It's just evidence that he has magical powers over her. That's fair. I guess I would consider it more likely that this th- sort of, that this trick would work on a, on a robot than a person, right? Eh, with powerful enough magic, I'm sure you could do it to a person, too, on Arab. I mean, I guess they do basically, there's a lot of, you know, soul fuckery throughout the story. Um, mm-hmm. And that basically is the same thing. So, okay, fair enough. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I think that, I think that he t- walked up to Bethel and said, stop talking and grabbed her really quick. You know, it's rude, but I think the reason he did that to, to Bethel and not to Sable is because he didn't want it to start talking about how, you know, he, <laughs> yeah. how he did stuff to it. Right. Right. Yeah. So he's like, before you reveal my embarrassing secrets, shut the fuck up. Um, It'd be like if you're always on the edge of your seat during a house party thinking Alexa's about to tell people the porn you just were watching. Right. Start reading back your <laughs> like, no, Alexa, browse, shut up. <laughs> right. Your browsing history. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Amaryllis says, uh, we're never going to bring him back. It was always going to be the two of you together returning to Earth. And first of all, this doesn't strike me as like the likely ending. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I really hope it doesn't end with June having to kill Arthur, but it's not like June and this 50 year old dude are going to come back to earth and watch the new Thor movie coming out this weekend. <laughs> right. Right. Thor love yeah. and thunder, which I bought tickets to see on Saturday. I'm very excited. Oh, cool. You'll have to tell me if it's great. It's great. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay. I, I'm willing to bet that more confidently than I am like, you know, Dr. Strange or Eternals or whatever. Doesn't it actually have a director that I think is cool? Taika Waititi? Oh my god, Taika does it? Does it? Oh yeah. Oh dude, dude, I finished uh, Our Flag Means Death, and god, I just, I fucking, good show. Oh, you're in for a treat, yeah, I mean, if you liked Ragnarok, wait, you never, did you see Thor Ragnarok? I did, I didn't like it that much, but it was better than most Marvel things. Better than most Marvel things, because it, it was willing to shake up the recipe. Um, yeah. 
you know, in Thor two, when his mom dies, there's like a 25 minute funeral. And I think she had had like two lines, Um, you know, so she gets some awesome characterization and later, but Ragnarok didn't slow itself down to stop at those things, which on my first watch, I actually didn't like. And then on subsequent watches, I enjoyed. So, yeah. I currently have a huge man crush on Taika, so uh, I I might have to go see a Marvel movie because it was directed by him. Oh, good. Well, I'm excited for you. Um, no. I'll let you know how it goes, though. Uh, cool. But I did have to to point this out, too, that um, that June just says, like, I'm not going back to Earth. It's not even Earth, for fuck's sake. Um, and Amarillo says, well, then we'll figure something else out. Uh, it seems like she's got her, her mind made up on how this is supposed to end, which is disconcerting because we know that she's crafty. But mm. also, like, he, 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 I don't know, June says it's not even Earth, which yeah. I think it probably is, um, unless we're to believe that June came from meat space Earth, fifth period English, and that there's also matrix simulation, you know, that makes up Arab and one mm. of Earth, but not the Earth June came from, right? Well, I mean, I think probably original June might have come from meat space Earth, but... I think that original June is likely to be the DM and this June came from the earth that he's saying it's not even earth. Oh yeah. I mean, you're right. At Which some is point, what I think what you were just saying. No, no, but I, I, I wasn't, I, I missed that beat or I, I missed putting that together actually. Yeah. The, at some point there was a made of meat June. Um, yes. Somewhere in the past. Right. Uh, many, many eons ago. And I, we're, I think we're both of the same mind that it's not this one. Um, yeah, th- this one, when we first met him, well, whatever, fifth period English, yada, yada. But when the DM shows him like, Hey, here's the memory of you, of me asking you Morpheus style. Right. Um, mm-hmm. he stops time and teleports into a white room. Like you can't just do that on earth. You know where that's really easy. The matrix. Yeah. So you were in the matrix, my bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it is earth for, you know, all practical purposes. It's the earth you remember. Yeah, but then June's saying this isn't Earth. You know, it's. I mean, maybe what he's saying is he wants to go to Meat Space Earth, the Earth that he has memories of, because when he was simulated, he was simulated to think he was in Meat Space Earth. So that's where he wants to get back to. Well, Arthur or June doesn't want to go there. Well, that's true. Yeah, but Arthur, Arthur does. does. Yeah, yeah. Arthur doesn't. It seems like he's not even facing that question. Like June brings it up a couple times, and he kind of just pushes past it. He's like, "Well, then fuck it. I'll figure something else out." Yeah. Yeah. I think he's, I think, I think Arthur's at his limit. Uther says, none of it's real. None of it. Mm-hmm. And June says, solipsism is not a tenable philosophy. And he's like, I'm not claiming nothing's real. And right. then that's where he leads into air. Yeah. Yeah. That some, he admits somewhere out there, there's a base reality and meat space and all that. But what he's really saying is, what he's saying is I'm only claiming that air isn't real or if it's real, then it's so managed and planned that it might as well not exist. And like, I think that's, that's why he wants to get back to Earth, because he knows that even if that Earth up there at the top of the long stairs isn't meat space Earth, because there is no long stairs in meat space Earth, meat space Earth is bound by normal physics and isn't a simulation. Uh, but it's at least not like managed and planned and this meticulous Disney World kind of experience. So it's more real, or at least real enough. And Arab is so absolutely unreal that he can't. He, he just can't live in it. It's not real enough for him. Yeah. I think that that's, uh, that's, I think you're right. Um, he, it's not like, yeah, I want to go back to base reality. I think maybe he does understand. That's not the, that's not the way, 
I think that he's just like, no, I just don't want to be the main story, main character in a story anymore. Yeah. Like I want to go like to work and pay for an apartment and watch movies. Like, you know, more than that. Cause like, I mean, I mean, he could do that in a story. That's just like, you know, a corner shop, um, AU, uh, which, or coffee shop AU. There's a lot of, um, alternate universe fanfics, which is basically taking the people from a, a, you know, exciting adventure story or whatever, and then just making them people that work in a coffee shop and have relationships and shit. Oh, I just, yeah. I just heard about these recently, actually in the context of, of, um, Somebody I was, we got dinner with a couple of Rachel's friends a few weeks ago, and they were either reading or writing um, uh, Our Flag Means Death fan fiction. Oh, cool. And they introduced me to that. I don't know if they said coffee shop fiction or or whatever you just called it, but mm-hmm. it was that idea. Um, cool. She told me about like, oh, yeah, and no, I read a thing of like uh, Xavier and Magneto, uh, but they didn't have their powers. I'm like, then what's the point of even using them? Oh, <laughs> right. the point of using them is that we know the characters already. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, he he could have that kind of world too, I guess. But I think he wouldn't be very happy in that one either. Like, I think the thing that he wants is a world that has consequences, where someone can get in a car accident and die, and it's permanent and meaningful. Does he really want that? When you think about I, it, I, I <laughs> that particular thing. <laughs> but yeah, I well, think I, I think you're right. Yeah, it, it seems it almost feels to me like Uther is a direct call out to all the light wire headers who are, you know, like actually a cool matrix would be really great. And I think Uther would not be okay with that because like, I guess everyone has a different limit of how fake a reality can be before it stops feeling like it has any meaning because nothing you do can matter in any way. And I think Uther Arthur needs to have, needs to have a, a a world that's a bit higher on the consequences scale than, you know, no one can ever be hurt by anything. And certainly much higher than, you know, you are the main character and everything revolves around you that he was getting here. Yeah. And, you know, there's, I don't know. I think there's a line, you know, like I, I could dig a matrix. Um, I think I've I said think it before. I probably that, could too. Yeah. I, I have a sentimental attachment to what I've currently perceived to be meat space. Um, but you know, if, uh, whatever on our, on our voyage to other stars, when that takes the tens of thousands of years that it'll take, uh, if you want to run me in a real time simulation of middle earth, I'm super into it. You know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I, especially if I know what's going on or whatever, like I think the, the hard line that I can think of, there might be more, but first that jumps up is that like, the only thing I'd really want is the people around me are sapient, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If if I'm in a cool matrix, but I know it's full of pee zombies, I'd be inclined to not give a shit about my actions and I'd start Westworlding eventually, right? Yeah. Um, like like Bill Murray like and Groundhog Day. Yeah. And it sounds like Uther at least had some doubts about how how real the people around him were. I've been saying for a long time, I think since we got his message in the mirror, that he has reason to believe that everyone's fake. Yeah. And that everything is that everything is fake anyway. Because he it's interesting. He's still like he talks to Raven. He's like, I'm sorry, I lied to you. You know, yeah. if, he, if he thinks that she's not real, why doesn't he just cut her head off? Um, it could, I don't know. It could be because he's been cosplaying the paladin so long that he, you know, is is just playing, you know, playing the role. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, the people are real, but the place isn't. Or like it's there's enough fakeness to where he's just sick of it. But he does say, "I have seen evidence of the unreality of Arab," and uh, that was just vindicating to me that he's. I think he may have mentioned that before, though, because I feel like. I said something to so close that it was like 
that he might have said that in the mirror. I'll have to go back and check. But um, anyway, the precise nature of this evidence will weigh heavily on how much we judge, like his whatever, what he does to Bethel and um, how he's treating people or stuff, right? Yeah. I wonder what, how do you feel about the ending to Utopia Lowell, where the human goes off into a scary world that doesn't care about him and could end up killing him? Um, and that was, that was actual reality, right? Yeah. He, he left for actual reality. And with the conceit that the AI can't make robots that can go search for life, but it can make humans that, or can bring back crowd preserved humans that can. Uh, or, the AI was, was, um, prevented from affecting anything outside of the solar system. Gotcha. Or so it says he was giving those humans, you know, a life that mattered, right? Possibly. Um, so now I like the story. Uh, you know, I would be curious why you're making just me to shoot me off, of, you know, in a spaceship by myself to go, go insane among the stars. Why not put together a small society first and yeah. then we can make friends and then we can go off in, in groups of people. Yeah. And then, you know, cool thing about that. It'll be a generations long trip. We can continue to splinter off in random directions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would have asked for that rather than to be shot in a pod into space by myself, but. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I understand why that was done because. It, it was for narrative convenience. Right. The story. It's yeah, a short story. Could, yeah. No. And yeah, I loved it. Exactly. It worked great in the story. But so, uh, as far how would I like it as a story? I loved it. If it was real, if it was me and the Sus, I would make that one request. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, why do you ask? Well, cause it sounds like Arthur is the same kind of person where he's like, I could live in a matrix where I'm completely safe and I'm just talking to my friends, but I would rather live in a world where I can die and where terrible things can happen. But what I do actually matters because there are consequences that are that are real and unavoidable. You can't just be like, oh, wait, no, I didn't mean that, and undo it. I think that he can reload from safe states, or at Is least there? has been able to, yeah. Okay. Um, like, that would definitely be evidence of the unreality of Arab, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, is that a thing we're going to get into when we talk about how he fights? Uh, oh, I didn't think about that. Um, uh, no, it's... Plan, put a pin in that because I, I just thought, okay. was, oh, yeah, because that, that's a really good thought there. No, I was just thinking like, you know, because, you know, when you're saying like, you know, oh, I can just go back and make it not happen again. Um, you know, it it could be just because his life works in cycles or, um, you know, there's revision magic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's the, there's the infinite library. Um, the, I mean, it's it's basically multiverse stuff, right? Um, yeah. So it could be stuff like that. But um, I think I brought it before the idea that he can uh save save scum um and may, maybe maybe it's hard maybe it takes effort maybe you can only do it a few times or something but like if you played out a few days in a row and you're like oh shit i'm groundhog daying that'd be weird and it'd kind of break the illusion of like stuff matters right mm-hmm. so yeah the chapter ends with uh june being like stop i gotta talk to you about some shit and uther saying stops nods sits on a stone says very well tell your tales and that is where the chapter ended. And you have no <laughs> idea how tempted I was to stop the reading for the week right there, just because I knew it would kill you. It would have killed me. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm glad you didn't. I think I might have mutinied um, <laughs> when I was halfway through this chapter, because I was I was trying to drag it out. And, you know, nothing. Had ha- well, not nothing. But, you know, oh, the octopus people and, you know, cool rooms, yada, yada. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to text him like, dude, I think we could do four chapters. Um, mm. and I was like, I'll wait till I get through it. But like, if I find that, like, if it, if it's all this light, you know, like we're just getting like a breather after the hell and fell seed thing, um, then I'm going to like, 
I'm going to message and be like, Hey, you know, let's, let's try and do one time adjustment of add a chapter to the reading. But uh, no, then it turned out that there's lots to talk about. So um, yeah, I appreciate you sparing me. Uh, right. You know, I was, I was really trying to in the weeks leading up to see how I could jigger things so that it would line up so we could have enough chapters and it ends on this chapter, but it was just, it was too convoluted. And I also kind of thought maybe it'd be too mean. <laughs> uh, you know, if it's, if it's any consolation to the part of you that loves watching us suffer, the end of the next chapter uh, is, you know, about as much as, a, about as much of a cliffhanger. Uh, cool. We, you know, we get some moments of uh, conversation and closure or whatever, but uh, not closure, but information. Yeah. But uh, I think, I mean, yeah, this chapter is way shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, chapter 239, Old Sins Cast Long Shadows. Yeah, but there's a lot in it. Yeah, oh, yeah, there's a lot in it, but uh, it was, uh, well, there's no one to get, yeah, we got to get started. Um, All right. I, I do expect to hear some suffering in your voice at the end of this podcast, though. Otherwise, I won't be happy. Deal. <laughs> cool. Uh, so June starts out by saying that, uh, well, he doesn't start out, but uh, near the top, he tells us as the readers that he could empathize with Bethel, but I didn't like her or want to be around her, uh, which I guess kind of explains why he didn't go after trying to save her as strongly as I think he should have. Um, and like, maybe I'm being too generous to Bethel because I'm thinking of her as disgraced teammate at this point, And maybe I should be thinking of her as like narcissistic rapist person. Um, or like this one person that we both know who was just a terrible, horrible person. And, if June's modeling her the same way we model that person, I could understand with him being like, okay, right. I guess I got to get her out of there because it's the right thing to do, but I'm not going to go through any special contortions to do it. That's interesting. I, I mean, you're right. Like he's, he's not going to kill Arthur to save her. Right. Uh, yeah. Whereas he actually might save Amaryllis. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I guess he didn't really give me time to like the next thing he says was, with all that said, being reduced to a tool, being silenced like that wasn't what she deserved, especially from the same person responsible for so much pain and suffering in her early life. What she deserved was to be ha- healthy and happy, the same as anyone else, even the worst of them. Mm. And that's the transhumanism spirit right there. It really is. I I appreciate it and I agree with it in principle, but when there are some individual humans that I think of, I just think of like, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm glad to see them reduced to a tool and being silenced because they deserve that. On, but, on, when, when you're God and, or if you're, you know, cause God could do them all at once, but if you're, if you're a demigod and you're making people immortal, they're at the back of the line. <laughs> yes. They will be last to be saved, but, uh, they'll, they'll be saved yeah. because everyone deserves it, but some people deserve right. it more. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, I do still would want them to be eventually made better and uplifted into being good humans too. Yeah. Because everyone should have that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, I, the thing is, what's great is like, you know, Harry casts the true Patronus with a thought like this, you know, um, mm-hmm. June's thinking about this, about the person who betrayed him and hurt him so deeply. Mm-hmm. And it's so, I mean, yes, this is like an abstract, you know, navel gazing philosophical, philosophical stance or whatever. But like it has actual stakes. He's thinking about an actual person right in front of him. Yeah. And uh, it it carries emotional weight to it. I like it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, he tells Uther about the error messages that he saw. And Uther says it's not real. And June's like, the error message? And actually, that's not what Uther meant. But I do want to touch on that. I think we brought it up really briefly and then dismissed it. But should we revisit the possibility that the error message isn't real? 
because if it isn't real within the bounds of the book, then then like what's the point of the whole novel? Or 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 am I not thinking meta enough here? What is real? How do you define real? <laughs> if real is only what you can see and touch and taste and feel, then real is just the neurotransmitter signals sent to our brain. I've ruined the end of that. I can't remember how he puts it. But it was something like that. Yeah. Anyway, you know, I, I, I mean, the message was as real as everything else in the book. It was words that showed up on the page and the character reacted to them. Mm-hmm. Right. I, like, I guess I'm not sure what, maybe you're thinking too meta. I, I can't, I, I'm not sure what I'm fault. what you're like. If, if he's not in a simulation or a game, if it's something else entirely and the DM is just making him think that he's in a simulation and giving him that error message to strengthen that false belief. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes isn't sense. that what Uther's implying by saying the error message isn't real? I don't know if, um, like, so, uh, Arthur's not surprised by the existence of the heads up display. Mm-hmm. Um, he just says, Oh yeah, that's, that's, you know, check. Um, mm-hmm. So what, what it could be is that like, Air I mean, mes- he says, I never had such a thing, but yeah, he's not surprised. No, he, I don't think he ever had a, an error message. Um, in the previous chapter, he says something about like, uh, oh, you've got a quest or something for it, right? And yeah. he's like, oh, no, wait. He says, has the narrative found you? And he says, no, is there something from the beginning? I've had uh, notifications and stuff. Um, let me, Uther uh, never says that he got notifications. Well, he he nods and says, well, it's immaterial. Um I mean, I, he, he, what, take, he takes that in stride. Like, Sure, he takes it in stride, but that's because like he already accepts that nothing is real on air. But he says, like, I've never seen such a thing. Never in all my time, there was never one whiff of anything like that. Like, I don't think he had a HUD. I think he just like had a, a, a quest giver, a Merlin type, show up and give him quests. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm in a fantasy novel or whatever. That, I don't think he got like skill ups or message or enemy defeated messages either. That makes sense actually. Um, because the way that he puts it, he says, I never had, what was it? A, a whiff of something like that or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. like, uh, a HUD is definitely a whiff of an error message. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. It's like, yeah. there, there are two things of a kind. Um, okay. Yeah. So he just nods when, okay, yeah, sure. Whatever you say, fake Juniper, you say you got a, mm-hmm. a heads up display, whatever. Sound like, mm-hmm. It sounds like something you would say. Um, right. So, no, I, I think uh, you might be onto something. Um, yeah, Arthur never had one of those. And then, like, yeah, okay. No, I, I can dig it. Um, so, I was thinking that, like, he, when he was talking about error messages, I was like, oh, did, like, just error.exe have more disk space devoted to it back in Arthur's days? Because, um, mm-hmm. like, both times that it aired out, it was because, like, I'm trying too hard. Um and it it was like you know running out of memory or something, right? Um, right. So you know, I I suspect that Arthur did game breaking shit too, but it didn't like actually break the game because they were spending more on it back then. But yeah, uh, it could be that yeah, he never saw anything like that because he wasn't made privy to that layer of the game. Um, and if the heads up display isn't like whatever reality, but yeah. some sort of magical layer laid in front of June. Um, which it always could be right. Like, I mean, one of my original theories from when I first started reading it was that he was one of the, uh, six gods and the other gods got pissed at him for some reason, like in, you know, the original Thor movie. And so reduced him down to a mortal with some special skills and we're fucking with him with the heads up display stuff. 
Yeah, no, that that checks out. That'd be interesting because, you know, there's no way to verify the existence of the HUD. Um, but I mean, would it be interesting at this point after this many hundreds of chapters? Uh, it's interesting, I'm, like in the first dozen chapters or two, but like when you get an actual error message in the text saying the simulation is broken down, I think, I don't know, I, I, I think Uther is wrong in this case, that he didn't get a HUD, but that doesn't mean it's not a simulation. Um, no, yeah, for sure. I I think that, yeah, because we were talking about maybe this whole layer is fake when he had the error message, because I was wondering why on earth would you display that to the user? Yeah. Um, you know, t- to the person playing it. You're like, hold on, I'm freaking out. One sec. Um, mm-hmm. You don't, you don't, there's no point. And that's yeah. not like, I don't know, me as a wannabe programmer pretending that. That's just like, that's not how like crashing computers work. We've all, we've all used our computers. It doesn't, it often doesn't deign to tell us why it's breaking. And if it does, it just barfs up some mess that says you can press the report button to send this off to Windows or Apple, right? Yeah. Um, so it doesn't say, hold on, uh, this this meme is, is taking up too much memory space, right? Um, yeah. It Frankly, Windows 10 had a bug like that, and, <laughs> and it d- didn't even tell you about it. It just took up 100% of the RAM. Um, <laughs> cool. So, like, uh, anyway, um, we'll have to see. I need to think about... Like, if, if the whole HUD was, yeah, if it was just laid in front of him and he's not playing a game, that actually does have implications, right? Yeah. Um, it, it'll be interesting to know uh, if that happens, what the actual reality of it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So that's my 10-minute answer to that question. All righty. Took me some clarification to get there, though. So five-minute five answer. Okay. Well, I was th- uh, in, Speaking of minutes, uh, Uther says they have 26 minutes left in his whole telling them uh, about about june's time on air and fen i I love fen so much (laughs) because she's like 26 minutes like you're in charge of jack shit like you're magically timing this down to the second come off it man it's just she makes the jerking off motion uh and then you know amaryls or someone says hey be respectful she's like if he wanted my respect maybe he shouldn't have stolen bethel and maybe he shouldn't have gotten stuck in a bunch of slime (laughs) and and i think fen is fucking awesome because she's absolutely right this is some self-important bullshit where he's like oh 26 minutes left i'm like fuck you fuck the fucking nobles and their self-important crap i'm with fen for life i love how like this you accuse june of being you know irrational and and uh (laughs) like emotional Um, yeah which i guess to be fair the stakes are higher for him we're we're just enjoying the the you know, simulated fury that we get from reading a story. But um, I, I think Arthur here is deigning to give an hour of his time to talk to some NPCs, right? Oh, I, I guess from his point of view, yes, he's, he's wasting an hour of his ability to return to earth to talk to. Yeah. People <laughs> who don't even have souls, but you, you attribute it to his like being noble. And it's like, he's not a noble. <laughs> he, he made himself a king by kicking ass. And mm-hmm. it's it's not even like, I don't even think that that's his motivation. It's not like I'm king, so my word goes. It's that like, you know, I can just kill you guys if you guys get too annoying, right? Um, which I guess is also a king style attitude, but it yeah. it fits for, for Arthur too. Um, but no, I, I, I loved it then. Yeah, Amaryllis, like he's still the king of Anglican. Show some respect. Oh, that was Raven. Okay. <laughs> Raven's like, what? Fuck that. Yeah, if he was cool, he wouldn't get stuck in, in goo. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, um, I don't. I just liked the whole. Uh, uh, I Ben kicked ass there. That was hilarious. Hell um, yeah! And uh, Ben's the best. Yeah, 
and Raven just worships the ground he walks on, which I totally get that too. Um, mm-hmm. It set that up characterization wise with with Raven really well, but also like, how can you not? It's Uther Pantrag, right? Yeah, well, you know. Now Fen is cool enough to be above worshiping the ground that that the greatest hero ever to to cross the plane. You know, uh, she she's above worshiping that guy, right? Um, yeah, but Probably. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> right. I mean, I. I I mean, I don't know who I'd meet today that like I'd be starstruck about meeting. Um, yeah. If I met somebody like Uther Pendrag, I'd be like, I think I'd be a babbling mess. I'd be like, oh my god, I uh, is it autograph? Thanks, sorry, far, mm-hmm. bye. <laughs> like, <laughs> then I just throw up myself and run away. Like, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, he, he's yeah. too cool. Speaking of how fucking cool he is, he was blo- wandering the lo- long stairs all by himself. Yeah, he he made a few trips in, which is interesting. And we learned that with the uh the squids or the octopus, octopi. Mm-hmm. Um octopodales. Let's go for that. Uh, even though I don't think I could say it. Yeah, so he made a handful of trips in and uh I think tried to bring his wife. I'm not sure what happened to her. I don't know if we ever got like the the history mystery on whatever happened to her, like if she disappeared mysteriously too or if she died missing him. Wasn't it that she came with him once, but uh they they left again. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Like, if he dumped her back on Arab, or if he like, or if she died on the second trip or something, right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. The main reason I wanted to bring this up was we already talked about it. I was curious because so he meets those soldiers, um, mm-hmm. and they had like that bag that said June, mid June, 2016. And so I was like, oh wait, do you remember like when he died? Because I, th- I thought that's what was going on there. So he he bumps into the Americans after he gets his brain addled by the yeah I was gonna say brain slug because they did brain slug him right he can't talk yeah. he's you know meandering around but because he's still a god man he's just like meandering his way through this terrible dangerous place and just like bumbling his way through dangerous monsters um, mm. and he comes across some soldiers that oh no you got me the one time I can't speak English this I just want to point that out that this is strong evidence that the DM controls the stairs too. It's obvious to us, I'm guessing, but yeah. I think maybe Arthur thought he'd escaped the DM's eye. Like, I've I've escaped the narrative because I'm in here now. Oh, well, I mean, maybe that's why he bobbled himself at some point when he realized that he was still in the DM's eye. And I'll wait him out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it essentially worked. So it did. I mean, that's my next comment. So we, I'm going to wait until we get to that to, to talk about it. All right. So I guess the, the last thing I'll point out then was that. June points out, like, oh, no, I've got a backpack that can summon Earth stuff, uh, but actually, you stole that Entad. Can I have that back now? And mm. instead of giving it back, he just summons a piece of candy and eats it. And I, I feel like June could approach the subject better. Like we mentioned, he hasn't said, like, she's a person who's suffering right now. Um, yeah. You know, he keeps saying, like, that's mine, uh, which is not, like, a compelling argument. Because uh, nope. Arthur, 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 Uther's, whatever, Uther, Arthur's like, no, actually, it's mine. Like, <laughs> yeah. you found it for yeah. a while. Thanks for keeping it safe for me. But uh, yeah, just because you, know. you found my car keys and been driving my car for the last six months doesn't make it your car. Exactly. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll pay you back for the gas you put in it, I guess. But uh, he should have talked about, you know, to the best of his understanding, that how that thing on your finger is a thinking and feeling creature. Yeah. Um, I think Arthur just thinks she's a yappy Roomba and he's not doing anything wrong. Um, June, June needs to meet him where he is, right? Yes. So that, that's, that's my main thing. And then I think this is narratively why Val didn't come. That is an amazing point because she could have trivialized all this possibly, or if nothing else, it would have become a social battle between her and Uther and June would just be on the sidelines watching. If anyone could, uh, fight Arthur in a social battle, 
I mean, I don't think June could fight Arthur in a social battle. I don't think June doesn't stand a chance against Uther, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, if anyone's going to out social Uther Pendrag, it's going to be Val. I mean, narratively, I guess they could have gotten around this if Val couldn't access the hells from the long stairs because they're a different plane of existence. Oh, that's a really good point. But I, I like your take on it too. And I mean, who knows which way it would have been. Also, she's had a lot of experience doing social stuff. Maybe she's internalized a lot of those skills now over she's, the past three years. She's definitely probably gotten good at it, you know, as as when she's not chewing on devils too. But mm-hmm. um, but you make a good point that I think you're right. There's no way that she could access the hells in here just because this is a whole different place, right? Yeah. Um, and if they wanted to, they could have brought her along or the author could have, Alexander could have brought her along and said, oh yeah, no hell demons in here. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, but yeah. Anyway, that was my... Now, now we're getting to the argument of that's my house. Uh, no, it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when you pointed out that um, j- the DM controls the long stairs too, which we know and which I guess uh, Arthur realized as well. Uh, he says, yeah, no, I wasn't stuck in that goo. I bobbled myself on purpose. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Why? And Raven realizes that he wasn't down there because he couldn't escape. He was down there because he was waiting for everyone to die, which I really disapprove of. I think that's shitty of Arthur, maybe. But then, like, I guess, as you just pointed out, I I, I have to erase my look of disapproval emoji now because you're you're right. Like, he thinks this world is fake. He thinks the world is just keep trying to pull him in and it's never going to stop. And he can't even get away from the DM here on the fucking long stairs. So, you know what? Bobble myself until Erb has just completely degraded, crashed and burned, all life is extinct on it. And then when I come out of the bobble, I can be left in peace because there's no one to drag me back to the narrative anyway. And then I can finally go to Earth without the DM bugging me. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it raises the question of like, is he going to go to Earth in June 2016? Or, hey, wait, are we going to pretend like it's a coincidence that June's name is June? Huh. Yes, we are going to pretend that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That, Raven, that's interesting, though, that he's named for the month that... that Time seems so... Arthur sp- died yeah. and time stopped. Yeah. Uh, huh. Heck, that might be a clue. Um, but <laughs> there's Dang no time it. to stop and look at that one. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Raven's like, no, he was down here because uh, he was waiting for everyone to die. And um, he gives her a nod. Well, when she says he was he was stuck on purpose, he's like, he gives her a, a confirmation nod. Um, and then as they're talking about it, he's like, you're not the first to find me and stuff like you said. But I had to just throw in that Fen was like, is this still counting against our time? Like, <laughs> yeah. Are we still pretending that makes any sense whatsoever to have this conversation be timed? And mm-hmm. no one replies to her. But, you know, it's just she's the comic relief she's- that. You know, she's always been. And she's not wrong. No. That's the best part about her comic relief. She is doing the whole jester can tell the king the truth thing. That's a good point. You know, you put that really well. And I don't think I appreciated it at the time. But here she is actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, yeah. So when when he discovers that Bethel can make these candies or pull anything else that she wants from Earth. Uh, uh, Uther or Arthur. I guess Arthur says you've been having different adventures than the ones I had. You've been here less than a year and already there's a relief from the clawing homesickness, which just made me feel really bad for Arthur. Like he never got over earth and he always missed it. He'd just been ripped out of that world and he'd loved it. Yeah. Uh, You know, 
It's it's funny that Arthur's off the mark. Maybe June was happier. I mean, he was happier when when Arthur knew him, but like maybe he had more of a zeal for life and his friends than you know he's conveyed that maybe June has had that had more of that than he's conveyed to us, or Arthur miss 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 uh, attributed that to him. Mm-hmm. But like June's lack of homesickness was so stark at the you know for the first fifty chapters of this book that I thought it was like suspicious as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until like we get it laid out, like no, his life there sucked. I'm like, oh, okay, you've, you've successfully convinced me that this is no longer weird. Um, yeah, that he's not like once I miss my mom, you know. Yeah. Um, okay, now now I get that. But June, Arthur's like, you know, you, you're less than a year, and you don't miss your. You're, you're not like pining for your parents. And June's like, <laughs> first thing I did when I get here, I was falling from a plane. My first thought was, I'm glad my parents aren't here. Like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> at least I'm finally free from their bullshit. Right. Sure, I'm about to die, but God, I'm. I'm. They're not. They're not yelling upstairs. You know. Um, <laughs> right. So yeah. yeah, but it it is sad. Um, yeah. as I make you know light of it uh arthur it's important to make light of sad things too totally i can't remember what decade he was at in his adventures when they found the 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 bottomless pit but um that was when like he's at his lowest you know yeah oh yeah we're gonna get to that that was good but that was several years in it was at least a decade in more than that because it took the guy six years to complete uh to complete kumduna and when he first showed up and, you know, started saying, oh, okay, here's a lot of resources to to finish this entad you're working on. He already had all sorts of magic items and most, if not all of his companions. So yeah, I think he was already king. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He was already king. Yep. So he had been here long enough to be a king. And then he comes back years later and he's like, all right, give me that shit. And then, you know, does all the stuff. So yeah. But anyways, he he does finally finally tell Arthur, uh, "We're we're you got to give me back Bethel. She's a person. Release her to me." And at last, I was fucking thank you, June, for for finally doing the right thing. So I felt much happier once he finally did that. Pressure was released from me. Yeah, sorry to um, dive back in, but I just saw the thing about it's a zone. Zona knew where he went, so his sons came one after another. So I guess he brought Zona the first time and then left her the subsequent times. Okay. Yeah. And she, or I guess at least the last time, yeah. which is interesting. Somebody on air knew where he went, you know? So I'm sure people asked his, you know, asked her, where'd he go? And she's like, I don't know. And she convinced yeah. everybody. Yeah. Um, and obviously his sons knew because they came after him. Yeah. No one, no one blabbed. Um, that's surprising. I guess they're, yeah. you know, good at keeping secrets, but anyway, I mean, the, maybe they were worried that it would, shattered the empire if the, the empire learned that the king had just left Arab and been like fuck y'all you're on your own yeah no i mean that's a good point they and it wouldn't be to their oh wait you mentioned something about how they went off a quest to look for him and then they came back and argued about who should be king yeah so this was them coming back from that right yeah yeah that's interesting cool okay that makes sense so like okay look he's gone he doesn't want to come back now which one which one of us gets to be king Mm-hmm. And the answer was "fuck you, nobody." Um, <laughs> right? Okay, yeah. I need to try to brush up on my Arab history. But uh, hmm. so he is like he doesn't surrender right away. He's still like to like the waxing philosophical thing. He's like, "Oh yeah, I remember those conversations." You know, um, you know, some of your slave species made it here, and he's like, "Yeah, I know." And um, and so I think this is where, uh, yeah, he brings to the bottomless pit. 
because mm-hmm. he says, if it was your companion, it might've spoken of me. Um, you know, he's trying to get ahead of the, the bombshell. Yeah. Says, I was at a difficult point in my life when I met, when I went to Kamduna the second time. Um, and anyway, then he starts talking about the, uh, the bottomless pit, but yeah. I just liked, I, I was curious. I couldn't remember how he evaded the, like, give me Bethel. Um, he just takes her off and was looking at her. And then he's like, you know, before I hand her back, I got to, to spin a story to kind of, uh, explain, <laughs> explain yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Like as he's getting ready to spin the story, it says he gave us all a grin and I nearly smiled back just on instinct. And I thought just that one line, like it was, it was a good sentence. There was a lot packed into that. A lot of motion. I, yeah, I'm glad you pulled it out. I think I did too. Um, it's, I mean, this, this is, it's Arthur, Yeah, you know, um, you can't, I mean, yeah, he couldn't help, but just instinctively want to smile back, but like he nearly smiled back. So he was able to stop himself and he wanted to stop himself. And that's, you know, that's kind of heartbreaking too, that it's Arthur. And yet I'm not going to smile right now. Even though it's the kind of thing, you know, I think it's mainly just because the things are heated. He's just talking about like, oh yeah, you know, uh, this was after I'd made a trip to the long stairs and I made a difficult, miraculous escape, you know, against the odds, you know, as those things are usually done. Um, yeah. Which is exactly the kind of thing Arthur would say, which I think why he, you know, almost smiled. And, yeah. Uh, but you're right. The fact that he suppresses it is like, I'm not even going to meet you halfway until we get this, you know, the air cleared here. Um, mm-hmm. That's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole wanting to give into that good emotion and not doing it. Uh, it's, just, it's a great combination. Yeah. Anyways, uh, uh, Arthur tells them about the endless pit and how it actually is just endless forever. And he says that, uh, I cried as I fell for, I could see that there would always be more worlds to conquer. And I, I, this image of him falling down the pit and crying because of this. And that quote has stuck with me more than any other part of worth the candle. It's, it just really hits me every single time as epic and tragic and the pathos. It's just all a perfect perfect blending of all that and i i love it i would want this on my wall if you know i i could get some art of one scene in this book well let's put a pin in that um okay because that sounds like we can make that happen um oh yeah well i suppose so i'm gonna put here on like our whatever random things in here just say make art of (laughs) 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 all right um it, it's funny because like occasionally I'll say things and you're like, oh, I didn't think of that. Good, you know, good catch or whatever. And you, I mean, my thought when I read that was like, I got the, the you know, the, the Alexander the Great reference there too. And, um, you know, I was like gratified that you and I basically came to that conclusion. We were like 100% accurate when uh, we were um, speculating about the bottomless pit and like, you know, what was he looking for, right? Yeah. Like he was looking for anything, release, relief, whatever, right? Um, yeah and uh so he realized he'd never get it yeah but that, there'd always be more places for him to be pushed to save by the narrative yeah uh anyway it's just funny like not funny but cool that you know it, it is profound it's nice it's just i didn't take time to appreciate that at all i was like ha i knew it um yeah. and I, I didn't, uh i didn't grab the emotionality of it whatsoever um i think maybe he had book. some i think maybe he had some hope that maybe if I conquer everything and I really truly bring peace to all the lands of Arab, 
then I, I, it, I can be done. And then he was falling down the hole and he was like, oh no, it's infinite. There is no end ever. I cannot conquer it all and retire. And like, where do you, like, that's just crushing. You, you will never be able to do enough and have a rest because it's literally created infinite just to torture you. And every or time you try not to take your you. boots off and put your feet up, somebody cuts your wife in half. So I fucking a man. Yeah. Oh man. No, All right. Well, let, shall we get into the whole thing um, between June and Uther regarding Bethel? Yeah, let's do it. We'll, we'll, right. let, let's see who's who's more wrong here. <laughs> okay. Wait. Do you want to you want to just like plant your flag? Who who was who who's wrong here? Before we start, June. June? Okay. Yeah. I. Uh, with, with, of course, the caveat that June is conducting himself wrong in this, but that, that he's not actually wrong, right? Okay. Is, is that is that your position as well, or that, like... My position is that he's his point is wrong. Uh, I think Uther, or Arthur, did do a bad thing, but it's not the thing that June says he did wrong. Okay. It's like if someone started yelling at Hitler about uh, how he didn't recycle enough or something. <laughs> Not that Uther is Hitler, no, but no. no. <laughs> Just focusing on the wrong damn thing. The absurdity of that got me. <laughs> um okay, yeah, no. I, I see what you're saying. Uh I I think that I, mean, I was gonna say I'm on Uther's side, but really what it is is like they, they aren't there's no winning because they're not playing the same sport, right? They're talking past each other this whole time. Um so I think that that's my stance. All right, now let's dive in. Okay, so uh, all right, I see you. I'll just read this one quote, and then you can uh, do your reaction to it, uh, because this is where we're starting out with. Uh, Juniper accuses, throws the the accusation down at at Arthur. He says, once you figured out that it was the Entad you'd bonded to, uh, that... Sorry. Uther comes back from the pit, and there's an image of Tiff standing in front of him, and he's like, holy shit, what is this? And then uh, that's when Juniper says, and once you figured out that it was the end had your bonded to, you decided to groom and then rape her. Yeah, I uh, I mean, Uther doesn't, you know, he he looks at him with steely attention. He doesn't like, you know, get mad or anything. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm just like, damn it, June. Like, again, this is him in emotional panic, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm not giving him like, you know, this is so unrealistic idiot ball stuff. It's more just like, ah, oh, shit. Um like I, I guess I was disappointed the way he handled this because Arthur's under a serious misconception and he keep acting like he's guilty of something. Mm-hmm. Like you need to convince him of the premise, right? Mm-hmm. A- acting like a jerk and calling him a rapist isn't the way to do it. Um, yeah. And I want you two to be God. I want you to be friends. God damn it. Like, <laughs> so quit, quit name calling and, and talking past each other and just, just settle this and, and hug. God damn it. That's what, that's all I want. Um, but the, uh, like, I'm trying to think of, uh, I don't know, um, I think uh, Descartes did a vivisection on animals. Uh, yeah. Where, you know, live uh, autopsies, basically. Right. So and, you can see the organs as they're working. Right. Fucked up, terrible, shouldn't do it. Um, right. I'm not going to convince him of that by calling him a monster. Yeah. Right. If I was there and talking to him and mm-hmm. I knew better, I'd convince him of it by having a debate with him about uh sapiens and and pain and why that's wrong um Mm. and uh so i don't know i you you need to get to where they are and not just like throw an epithet at them um because you know 
to, to Arthur, he's like, I didn't rape anything. I put my dick in a vacuum and I painted that vacuum like my high school girlfriend or my high school crush. And I'm very embarrassed about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's what Arthur thinks he did. Yeah. And so for June to be like talking about it, talking at him, like, here's what you actually did. Well, you need to convince him of that first. Yeah. That that's my whole, my whole thing on it. So, um, that's where I was. My take on it is that June is just absolutely dead wrong right here. That Arthur did stick his dick in a vacuum and painted it like taped a picture of his girlfriend on it. And, and June knows that like, I I mean, you'd keep wanting to give him allowances because he's under emotional stress or whatever, but he's known this for months. He's talked with Bethel and he knows that Bethel doesn't give a damn about like that. Her vacuum attachment was used for something. Uh, what, pisses her off was the way that she was forced to absorb these entas like the i mean that's the actual analysis uh, analog to penetration right she was forcefully filled with these entads into her absorption closet and then on top of that abandoned afterwards and that's what hurt her she doesn't give a damn about the whole quote-unquote rape thing and so june is over here like you know being like yeah you raped this house and that's that's not at all what she cared about. And so why is June like, this is all about June. This is June's issue. This is June self-loathing his hatred of his gender and his sexuality. And he's blasting all that onto Arthur. But like, could you stop for one sec and actually give a shit about what Bethel cares about and what she said is important to her? Because that's not her concern with Arthur. It's something completely different. And for him to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm defending Bethel here because you raped her. I'm like, fuck, you're not even on the same page as her. I, and that's that's what annoyed me. No, I think that's really well put. I mean, I think, and I bring this up later in the notes, but I think it's worth mentioning here. Like, I think, you know, because you're right, June knows this isn't like the, this isn't actually what happened, like to Arthur's point of view and not what Bethel cares about. Uh, yeah. I think, I think what he wants, if I put myself in June's shoes, it's like he didn't know what to expect. You know, he's only thought briefly a few times about like what it'll be like when I bump into Uther or when mm-hmm. we eventually find him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he hasn't, at least to us on camera, sat and thought for like an hour of like, how can this go? Um, mm-hmm. But this isn't what he's expecting, I think. Right. Yeah. You know, I think he Definitely, might have been expecting yeah. a, a, a clap on the shoulder like, oh, my God, June, what a surprise. Yeah. Um, At long last, we are you reunited. Can you believe the amount of bullshit that I had to put up with? I'm so glad you're here to help me and we can do this together. Yeah. And instead he gets this aloof as hell um, guy who is treating him like he might not be sentient. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that I think he's he is trying to get na- a reaction out of Arthur. Like, hey, can you be fucking phased that I'm here? Mm. Like me being here is kind of a huge deal. And you're, okay, a, you're so acting just, like, and you would just, you tried to walk out of the room when we got here. I, I see what you're saying. He's just doing anything to get some sort of emotional reaction. I think that explains basically everything he says here. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's still shitty of him to use Bethel as a thing to get an emotional reaction out of someone else with, with that's like using your child to, you know, to get back at the, your spouse who, who has pissed you off, but, but at least that's understandable. Like I, I see now what he's doing and why it makes sense. Even if it's still a bad thing to do. I, I agree. It's not the right thing to do, but like he's under such duress. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to like whatever, give people a pass cause they're stressed. Right. But, uh, well, no, I kind of am 
Um, you know, all he's doing is, is arguing poorly here. It's not like he's hurting anybody. Um, sure. Bethel is in pain being held by Uther for every minute that she's not released, but it's like two more minutes, you know, it's, I mean, that's not the thing that, I mean, sure that, that part sucks, but the, it's the self-righteousness, the painting himself as someone who's trying to get justice for Bethel when all he is doing is using her as a weapon to try to get an emotional reaction out of Arthur to inflict some sort of pain so he can see something. That's what pisses me off. The yeah. trying to act like he's this great, morally correct person when he's doing this shit. No, that's fair. I think, uh, like I, I don't have that same sense of indignation. I think because June has what is probably an adequate amount of self self loathing. Um, That's true. He's got a lot, and yeah. so I, like, I guess I don't need to be piling on here. Well, like he, he's not thinking he's on any high horse. He's like, I already fucking suck, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I think I think that might be it. But um, oh shit! But, I'm I'm glad June isn't hearing everything I just said about him because he does not <laughs> need more shit lumped on his head. I think you get the perfect example with like, you know, uh, a shitty divorce couple dragging their, their kids into a fight. Yeah. You know, and it's like, look at what this is doing to poor Johnny here. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, I was fine until he pulled me out of my room to pull me into this fight that you guys were having. Um, yeah. You know, you're using me oh, as a prop. I, I just scrolled down. And I saw that. Yeah. Where you said that he's, he's trying to get an emotional response. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, I, yeah, I pulled out this thing where he says that you had no right to Tiff's body. And I was wondering, like, if I was being the asshole because Tiff, Arthur never got Tiff's body. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. That it was he was just he was like, oh yeah, you know, well I know you like Tiff, and and you hurt her. You had no right to her body, and yeah, he's trying to get the emotional response there. So I was worried that he wasn't going to pull his punch on that. Mm. Uh, if if he if he didn't pull his punch, uh, but what what I'm saying is that he he didn't hit as hard as he could have there. He could have said, I mean, you know, but- I was fucking Tiff for the last six months. Oh, you know? yeah. You, yeah, at least he didn't go you, that far. You put her picture on a vacuum and stuck your dick in it while I was having sex with the real one. You know, like... <laughs> yeah, he could have... You're right. He didn't go as bad as he could have. Yeah, he, he could have gone full Voldemort with it, and I'm really glad he didn't. Um, you know, it'll probably come out at some point that, you know, he was with Tiff, but hopefully the decades have uh, put some context for Arthur, like, as far as, like, the things that he should be mad about. Yeah. Is he really going to be mad that the guy that he knew in high school was, you know dating this girl behind his back. Like maybe, maybe, maybe he was clinging to the version of that he had of earth in his head. Yeah. And to have that, you know, broken even a little will upset him. But, uh, I, I guess I'm just like, it certainly would have upset him if June had thrown it out like that. I think that, I think that would have gotten a, re- a reaction out of him. Yeah. Um, well, maybe. Cause I mean, I am again, just mad impressed by how mature Uther is when he says, you don't want an argument, which means we can't litigate this. You want to air your emotional responses. Like he just, he knows what's happening and he's like, all right, homie, air your stuff, whatever. Uh, I'll sit here and wait while you do it. Like he's not flashing back. He's not fighting it. He's really kind of a noble douche, even if he is a noble. I, yeah, I, he, he's, he's, he's a, he's a mature noble. He earned, he earned his title of nobility by kicking enough ass. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he wasn't born into it. Uh, I, I, of him being the bigger person, like if he was, it seems like he and June has this thought later, like that Arthur might not have grown at all, but like, this is very much like the high school Arthur that I feel like we've seen a few glimpses of, but he, you know, as soon as Art, June's kind of like losing it 
And he's like, yeah. oh, this is emotional for you. I'm sorry, I didn't realize. And he just tosses him the ring. Yeah. Um, like, you know, hey, now that Arthur's been the bigger person and, you know, isn't like just being like, what, you mad about this ring? Like, he could have broken it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, now we can just be annoyed with uh, both of them not talking about like the actual object level problem that they, that they're, you know, he's using Bethel and quote unquote, like the assault against her and stuff as like fuel for like Arthur, would you please just, you know, get mad? Would you do anything? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, now, okay, cool. Bethel's safe. Now we can actually like try and actually focus. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, I'll, I'll give, I'll give, june his props like he was fighting for bethel he said i'm not here for a fucking debate hand over the fucking ring and i was you know at least he's doing the right thing and getting bethel off his finger so that was that was pretty cool he eventually remembered what he was fighting about (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i uh i think arthur put this i can't remember how it came up like all the context leading up to it but he's talking about you know yes the thing that happened with with the bethel tiff he says yes i was embarrassed ashamed i was embarrassed yes ashamed yes and as soon as it was done i wanted to put the particular bit of my life behind me it was an unseemly attempt to fill a void in my psyche to indulge in nostalgia mm-hmm. and i just i want to just point out that i'm glad that my steel man of uther's conduct when we first learned this was like a hundred percent spot on mm-hmm. um i mean i think it wasn't like a you know a, a hard leap to make it was just mainly like okay put myself in uther's shoes and he's a really good guy how did this happen yeah um and, th- and that's how, right? Uh, yeah. Now that said, he he, I think that I'm not sure at what point he saw the cracks in the game or the simulation that led him to think that none of this mattered. It might have been after this. If it was after this, then he 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 fucked up. And it might have been after this, just given his reaction to stuff. But it's it's it seems like he never really stopped caring 100 percent, even now. Like he's sorry he hurt Raven's feelings. Yeah. Um, well, I I want to jump ahead to something that comes up later uh because it, it ties into this whole thing yeah uh, the, june i he once he gets the ring back and we will we can talk about like his thing with bethel uh later but he he still rags on uh he still rags on arthur about this and it's not that i i don't he didn't fix anything he didn't he wasn't because he was using Bethel as a weapon and eventually like Uther was like, Oh, okay, cool. Sorry about that. And gives him back the ring. And okay, that's great that Bethel is now out of his hands and out of that danger. But June never did anything to represent Bethel. And he's acting like he does. He says, you know, he wants to apologize. He wants Uther to apologize. And uh, Arthur's like, apologize to your entad. And uh, June says yes, but she doesn't really care about the weird sex stuff. She cares about being abandoned and having Entad's forced to become a part of her against his will. So, like, he actually knows what she's upset about, right? He's like, she doesn't actually care about that. She she cares about the 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 Entad forcing and the abandonment. So, um, please uh, apologize to her about that. And then, like, he. Uh, Uther does apologize, but when he apologizes, he says, I was worried about it because unlike the others, like other mistakes I may have made, there was no defense, no weighing of costs or risks, just myself as a base and imperfect man. I am sorry and I apologize. And like, when you're apologizing for something because you weren't weighing costs and risks, you were just a base and imperfect man, you apologized for spooging on Bethel's projection. 
which I can't blame him for because that is what June has been on again this whole time. But he didn't apologize for the thing Bethel actually cares about. He didn't apologize for, yes, I put Entads into you because I needed a weapon and I destroyed who you were and denied you your own will. Uh, I'm sorry that I abandoned you because I figured you weren't actually that important as a weapon anymore. So I left you behind and went to go get better weapons. He he didn't apologize for any of that. He apologized for what June wants him to apologize for, which is spooching in a vacuum, which Bethel doesn't care about. So what did Bethel get out of this? Like nothing. I mean, read like generously, his, his apology is, it applies to both, right? Um, eh, I, I didn't read cost to risk. I was just a base and imperfect man. I was I was making weapons and making cool fortresses and no, no. doing embarrassing See, that stuff. Is Wayne, them, right? That is Wayne costs and risks making weapons and cool fortresses. I mean, maybe base and imperfect could be like I abandoned my weapon because I lost interest in it. But that's that's not what people mean when they say I was a base and imperfect man. They 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 mean I was doing bad things with my penis. I'm sorry that I got a blowjob in the White House, but I was thinking with my dick. I'm a base and imperfect man. Yeah, you're you're right. The language really doesn't lend itself to any other form of apology. Um, mm. I, you're right. He's not apologizing to the to June's end dad. He's apologizing to June. Yeah, um, and this is halfway to the to the apology that he wanted. Um, like, I think I think he got at least part of what he wanted, which is like, you know, he 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 did stop and look at this, and I don't know. I mean. I think that, I mean I think June got what he wanted, but Bethel didn't. Well, I, she I think, didn't get an apology for what actually hurt her. And eh, June still got time to argue with him about that, but I don't I don't think that Arthur's convinced that apologizing to his Roomba actually is a meaningful gesture. Um, well, uh, June so, certainly didn't try to show him why why it should be. Right. They really need to get to the crux of this disagreement, which is whatever evidence that Uther came across that this is you know none of this is real, none of this matters. Because then they can talk about like, okay, look, I'm pretty sure Bethel's a person and you're pretty sure she's not. Like, what could possibly convince you? If Arthur says nothing, then he's being unreasonable. Yeah. And if he says, well, if she can do whatever and then watch her do it, if it's a reasonable test, if it's a test that June can pass, then, yeah. then Bethel can pass it too. Um, I'm just worried June's never going to get to that point because June's like, okay, good. You apologized for the spooging. Uh, we don't have to have that conversation anymore because I got what I want out of it. Maybe. Before he gives that apology... He he has this awesome line, which we uh, so we're jumping around a little bit here. If you're reading along while listening, which you shouldn't be doing because it sounds really confusing. Um, hmm. June says, you know, again, trying just to make Arthur react. He says, "Well, on Earth, we call the concept of owning another person slavery." Mm-hmm. And he says, "Things are different, difficult, and complicated on Arab. You know, shitbag. You made you you and your stupid <laughs> slave species, right? This is all your fault." If he'd actually called June a shitbag, I think that's actually June would have appreciated that more than an apology. Yeah. Um, just because it's like, okay, good. You actually care. Mm-hmm. That's all I want is evidence of you giving one fuck. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he says, look, I, I know I'm not giving you the apology you want, but if you keep casting aspirations, I'm going to deal with them as they come. Don't brand me a slaver. Then expect me to prostrate myself before you whimpering like a scolded puppy. That was so awesome. I know. Kind of irrespective of any context, that's just a badass like way to put that. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. Where yes, we're gonna have this conversation, but you don't get to call me a bunch of names and then like just have me be like, Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah. No, fuck you. I'm going to explain why I did the things I did. Um mm-hmm. and so then the next thing he says, he gives that apology. 
And then the next thing he says after that immediately is he's got his hand on a doorknob and he's ready to go to the next room. So mm-hmm. like, it's actually really touching. And I think that that's, that's the reason I like this apology was like, he, he gets ready to open the door and he turns to June and he says, ready? And June says, yeah. But that was the first time he asked him. Mm, I see. You know, he, he's cooperating with them now. Yeah. So he, he gives him, he gives him an apology and he, he, Again, I don't. He's not sorry yet because he's not convinced that he did anything wrong to Bethel. He's convinced that he should be sorry for like you know, I don't know, doing something really embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and and I'd love that scene later on where he something happens that reminds reminds him of the Bethel thing. He's just like kind of like oh humiliating, and he keeps going right. Um, and it, it, it's before this, but it's, that's cause we're jumping around before it, this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's the, the last thing with the, I, I'm, I'm jumping around a bit, but I think Arthur. And I mean, I understand what you're saying about like, it's nice that they are like putting this behind them and starting to become more bros. Like at, for, this is the first time, like you said, he, he asks, are you ready? But I, I'm sure I'm glad, I guess that they're mending their relationship, but I'm still pissed that Bethel was used as a tool to do it and her concerns are unaddressed and she just feels unimportant in all this that no one gave a damn and especially not Juniper who was supposed to be the party leader. You know, he was supposed to be there defending all of them and he just hung her out to dry. When, if he never, if he forgets to bring her inside, um, to run with the analogy, uh, and she's she's stuck out there drying indefinitely. Then I then I'll join you on the like June. You drop the ball here, train. But yeah. I I think it, it needs to be incremental, right? Okay. And yeah. What he got here was like Arthur treated him like a fucking person. Yeah. He he engaged emotionally with the reply. He stopped and faced the greatest shame that he has. I think in front of his mm-hmm. you know IRL friend from high school who knows Tiff, mm-hmm. and that must be twice as humiliating as explaining this to like Raven. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I, I think that that is uh, like, I think that that's, that's what I liked about it. And that, that was what made that apology real to me. And I, I know that he's not apologizing for what he did to Bethel. Yeah. He's apologizing to June for what he did to Bethel, mm-hmm. which is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's step one. Cause I think the fact that he's now he's like, he's talking to June like he exists. Yeah. Now, now they can start, now I can start listening to him about like, okay, let me explain why I think Bethel's a person. And he's gonna be like, "Oh, let me explain why I think she's not." And he's gonna wave her, wave his hands, and he's gonna, she's gonna turn into Matrix Code, and mm-hmm. or he's gonna have some shit evidence or something, right? Um, but I then mean, they can start I, getting to the crux. I hope so. I just the way that so okay, let me pull this out from uh, around the same time they're they're having this discussion about you know w- what happened and whether it was bad or not. Uh, Uther asks him, "Do you remember when uh, earlier when I asked you if you knew your role?" And June replies, there is no role. And then, like, to us, not to not out loud, he says, but if there was, he would be playing the villain. He seemed blind to it. I wondered whether there was any possible frame in which he would have seemed like a hero. And I don't... Do you get that? Because I don't get that. Like, Uther doesn't seem to be playing the villain at all to me, and I don't see where June is getting that. Because, again, of the two of them, I think June is the one that is far more in the wrong and doing more bad things and if he's like saying that uther is a villain here like what what does that make june then makes june the hero but i, I mean I, maybe I think in I can... his eyes but if if 
he's doing things even worse than I don't know. I think I can explain where I think June's coming from. Like in in one view, you've got the guy who again I think he, well to to zoom out where like June's emotions are coming from is like I'm mad at Uther. You know, he's the villain right now, right? Um, mm-hmm. I still think that's what's going on here. And he's mad at Uther. He's not mad at Arthur because oh. Arthur's not talking to him. Uther is, right? Uther took Arthur's place and that makes him the villain in June's eyes. I, I think that's part of it. But I think like, even if you just like look at the scene and like, okay, look, you, you kidnapped my friend and he turned her into a ring that you're now like flipping, you know, like a coin and you refuse to surrender to me. Like, yeah, that's, that's got Voldemort written all over it. Yeah, you know? that was, that was pretty intense bullshit. So I think, I think that's what he's talking. And that now you're monologuing at me about how like you didn't actually do anything wrong. <laughs> Yeah. No, you know, so I think that's where you're saying that Uther's acting like a villain. Okay. But I think emotionally is that it's like, you know, can, can I talk to Arthur, please? Can, can Uther take a backseat? Yeah. I think that's, that's what he's feeling. That makes sense. But, uh, anyway, you think if, if worth the candle had a villain to oppose June, who do you think, what would that villain be like? Like all I can think of right now is that the villain would be the DM. I was gonna say, I think he, you said what would he be like? As as I was gonna say, I think he'd wear uh, hoodies with puns on them and sneakers. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think that. Right. Yeah, he, he's the only long-lasting villain, right? That June hasn't met June's sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he he just obliterated Felseed, who was also a villain. I mean, Onion, those dirt, those jerks who kidnapped him. Yeah, followed her. Like his, his villains don't tend to have a good life you know uh it's a very risky job being a yeah. villain in june's story they were they were all you know opponents of his but they weren't ever like the villain villain the like opposite of june anti-june thing and yeah i guess that would be the dm it's got to be even if they're kindred spirits and very similar um yeah i mean well i mean that's sake. one of the keys of a villain right exactly oh <laughs> <laughs> well, you mean someone with a very similar power set to the hero but a different different color perfect yes Oh, blue yeah. cape, red cape. Perfect. Yep. That's what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, less, uh, you know, NCU harping um, Harry and Quirrell. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. like essentially literally the same person, like textually. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, Shall we move on to lighter things? Yes. So I, the, the reason that we jumped around from like one conversation about Bethel to the other was that Uther's like, time's up, and he just goes through another door and (laughs) uh, just crushes the enemies in there. Mm -hmm. It was epic. It was. It was great. Here here we go. An economy of motion. He was often compared to water with an economy of motion that made it seem like he was following the path of least resistance between his enemies. They'd said it was like he'd choreographed every fight ahead of time. And to me, it made it sound like he has just an entire unicorn graveyard of bones if he is you know, doing the exact perfect thing to do everything just right. You know, if he doesn't have that, he wasn't spending his 40 years very smartly. Um, yeah. Unless he has another way to do it. Like you mentioned the possibility that this could be him saves coming through this fight. Yeah. See, then you, you have this comment of no collapse timelines. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Steven's right. But then earlier you mentioned he saves scum. So like that, that is what saves coming would look. Cause unicorn bones was basically an in way game to save scum. Right. But right. if he doesn't have unicorn go- bones, as evidenced by there not being collapsed timelines, he may have just been straight up safe scumming. And that's what that would look like. Once you figured out exactly the right way to do everything, it just looks like, boom, perfect. I think that's distinctly plausible. I'm looking forward to it. That could be the big evidence that, that Uther's sitting on. Mm-hmm. It's also possible he's just this good. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when when Kenshin would run through 30 dudes and knock them all out <laughs> and like not work up a sweat or get grazed, like it sure looks like he's cheating. Yeah. But, you know, but no, he's just, you know, really fast and can hit really hard. Um, yeah. If if Uther is constantly sucking Momrath bones, like this is what it would be like sword fighting June, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, I it's hard to say if he's if he's using any sort of cheating shenanigans um, or if uh, he's just super good at this, right? Yeah, it could that you're right, because when someone is really good at something, they make it look completely effortless. And that sounds like my like was it Clark's law that any uh, sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Oh gosh, who was that now? I don't think it was Clark. Wasn't Arthur C. Clark? No, it wasn't. Who was it? Eh, we'll put a pin in it because that's not actually yeah. what I wanted to mention. I wanted. To, I I think there should there should be a corollary, which is that any sufficiently advanced technique is indistinguishable from cheating. Ah, nice. That's a good one. We can call that Quarles corollary. Perfect. Yeah. We write that down. I'm 100 percent sure I'll forget that. Or actually, sure. I'll, I'll remember it when I listen to this next week. Um, okay. All right. So yeah, that was before. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I'm going to rewind just a little bit because, again, we're touching on lighter stuff here. And I like this part where earlier when he was telling, you know, them, this is how you are sucking me, trying to suck me back in. You're, you know, my old friend. You're my daughter, etc. And he's like, he gets to Fen and he just kind of falters. He's like, well, I, don't, I don't know about you. <laughs> and she's like, lovable scamp, comic relief. And she hesitates. Love interest? <laughs> <laughs> And June says, I was hoping she'd hesitated because she wasn't sure whether she should make the joke, but it was extremely hard for me to tell. I choose to interpret that as like a suppressed desire where she is discreetly biting her lip as she says it, because as you say, Uther is just so goddamn cool. You can't kind of not worship him, even if you sort of hate him and sort of think he's a pompous noble douche. You're still like, but fucking Uther, man, I could mm, love interest, maybe. I love it. He's pointing out, yeah, you know, um, you're the reason that, you know, you, oh, technology got cooler. He's pointing at Grack, whatever, like, points at Fen. You, I, I don't know, right? Like, it, the, the picture is really funny. And mm-hmm. like, the scene itself is comic relief. Love mm-hmm. whole scab. Um, and then, <laughs> love interest, question mark? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's great. I, I think she just, I think she dislikes Uther, right? Yeah. Um, but I'm sure legends of how good he was in bed have passed down through the ages. Right, right. If he's this good at fighting, yeah, let's be real. And you can be attracted to someone that you technically dislike. Probably, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I suppose I know I, at least one person who really disliked me and yet was still attracted to me. So there we go. Nice. I don't know what it's ever like to have someone be attracted to me. So I, I'll have to. I'll get back to you for that. Or if I ever encounter that situation, I uh, am pretty sure you know at least one person who's very attracted <laughs> to you. I, I know. I, I, I like the self-deprecating humor. She okay. Rachel says she thinks I'm cute, so I don't know why. Ah, um, well, but uh, no, I think uh, I think his his love prowess probably explains the like the legend of it, probably explains the line of Bond girl volunteers, right? Mm, mm-hmm. After the twentieth girl who meets a horrible fate after betting him, you'd think that like r- word gets around, but people are yeah. like, yeah, but it's it's really good. <laughs> right. Like we all die sometime, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can at least die having had the utherpine. <laughs> <laughs> Episode title right there. Um, <laughs> I, I will write it down. Not the worst one. Uh, not a bad yeah. suggestion. You come up with good ones every week, but oh, uh, the utherpine, because he's being a bit of a dick. It fits, fits on multiple levels, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> 
Okay, so they're also talking about him, you know, being brought back and the fact that 500 years have passed between when he was last in the narrative and now. And he's saying, yeah, it's it's all lazy and hackneyed, like you guys, just how obvious it is. My fucking daughter lookalike, my old companion, my friend from Earth. It's lazy. And he says, and the time skip. Do you know why hack writers do time skips? It's because time skips offer something interesting and new when the plot can't organically accommodate it. It's a cheap way of getting a feeling of newness from a setting that's been milked half to death. And uh, I, I thought that was a great rant from his, from him. But also, you know, we should acknowledge that really does look like it's completely true from his point of view. And uh, I guess I mentioned that before, but I really like this, you know, time skips are cheap and lazy thing. And to him, he's just like, this is more evidence that this is all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're trying to convince me that this is real. And yet look at how cheap and lazy this bullshit is. Oh, I mean, like, like they could have been there like explaining this stuff. And he's like, oh, let me guess. Has there been a time skip? And well, well, yeah, right. actually now that you mention it it's like what yeah. 100 years 500 well <laughs> damn okay yeah <laughs> i feel like that's how this conversation could have gone down right mm-hmm. so it's it's nice and it's interesting i i think that there are legitimate uses for time skips like story economy yeah um but sometimes you need a montage or just like you know a, a lot of times it's nice just to like get like a two weeks later three years later whatever um because it's like i don't care about the inter- intervening five years I want to see how things shook out, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or how things are going five years later, for example, in a one very popular movie Endgame, It's not too late to talk. It's it's late enough to talk Endgames. It's not a spoiler. It's too old. That movie yeah, came out in 2019 years now. Yeah. 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 You get a five year time jump in it and it's not lazy. It's awesome. Yeah. It actually puts down like real stakes for the eventual of like, oh, everyone's fine, actually. Right. Because mm-hmm. uh, not everyone is fine. A lot of people got sad and killed themselves over the last five years. You know? Yeah. Anybody who died like in a plane crash when the pilots evaporated, they're all dead, right? I think I think yep. the snap only brought back the people who died in the snap, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, they crush it at the next room, the one where they kind of like actually bro down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's unbelievably bright, so uh, Fen just shoots the the light bulb with a with an arrow. And he's like, how did you see that? And she's like, seeing your target is for chumps. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was great. It was great. And the long stairs were pre-electricity, mm-hmm. pre-electronics. So the light bulb is a clue mm-hmm. of something. Of something. Yeah, I, I actually don't know what, because so much else of this is coming like verbatim from his notes, like mm-hmm. he'd said. Yeah. So it's like, what, they're growing they're different. Some parts of it, like I've, I've grown beyond that technological capacity. This light bulb might be from earth. Maybe even after 500 years, the long stairs can evolve a little. I don't know. I mean, if the, door, if, if the, if the rooms aren't there, unless you open the door, uh, you know, yeah. they're all, the rooms are all bobbled too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, actually, Sounds like it might be, I, I, I'm briefly confused because things do carry, have continuity once you leave the room and come back. Like the octopus pile, I remembered Arthur. Yes, but they were on a landing, and the landing specifically were called out as things that are persistent. They're the oh. the only parts of the long stairs that persist over time and are always there. That's right. Okay, shucks. I was thinking that we could have. Uh, you're right. Never mind, because the moral dilemma will reset itself, like with those possible slavers pl- slash prisoners, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. All right. No way. Well, uh, then I guess we can uh, get into more depressing stuff again now that we've touched on awesome light things. Uh, light things because... like that really bright light bulb. Nice hey! 
It was it was not horrible. Uh, We're winning. Uh, the, the, the what? We're winning, us fans I, I of good humor. I think you're slowly corrupting me, and I'm, I'm not sure I should like it. Hey, you corrupted me into getting like my emotionally invested in a, in a fictional romance. God damn it. That gets you right, to just laugh at jokes, then I think we both win. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fine, that's fair. Yay. Yeah. But uh, no, he, he does get Bethel back, and he puts her on, and so he can talk to her again. And he's like, hey, uh, what's going on? Are you okay? And she's gone almost catatonic. She's just like, I I thought that I was a person with autonomy. And no, it turns out I have no ability to exert my own will around Uther. I am, according to the laws of the universe, just a fucking object to be used by him. And it's it crushes her. It's fucking brutal the way she was just... And like he didn't even do it on purpose. He just didn't think of her as as anything other than an entad. So he's like, oh yeah, cool. Jump back on my finger as a ring. And for her, she was just shown that she never was a person. She was wrong this whole time when she was trying to exert personhood, just a fluke occurrence that her owner was off plane for 500 years. And she kind of went off the rails with that. But now that he's back, she's back to being a person. That's fucked up. I thought like just seeing her crushed like that. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, It's, uh, it, it's intense. June asks, like, what do you need from him? I'm trying to argue on your behalf, but it's difficult. And so I think that's why the that's part of the reason why the argument comes back up. Uh, okay, yeah. Because he's like, hold up, we're not done here yet. Um, oh, no, wait, actually, this is after all the the stuff, I think. Um, we're, we're fucking up the order of things yeah. for our own purposes. So yeah. You know, the long stairs don't have an order. Like, you show me that's one right. room that's in front of another, and I'll show you yeah. a room that's, you know, adjacent to another. We are just being textually appropriate. That's right. Um, and if that makes for a shit summary of this chapter, well, tough. We're not just summarize. Right. We're here to talk about. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, it's it's intense. Uh, but June, you know, really, he's he's nailing it. He's like, okay, what can I what can I do for you to help you with him? Right. Yeah. Um, which it seems like that you know, like I wanted them to hug it out before. Um, this is a much more emotionally impactful way of doing that. Mm-hmm. You know. It's like, all right, let me help you, and let me let me want to help you. That's way big, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, way big is my articulation of the feel of the, of how big it is. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That that's that's a lot. Uh, he's worried because like she's not angry, and he's like, yeah. right, can you be angry? She's like, no, I, I can. I still want to kill him. I just know that I can't, yeah. um, and I know that acting on them, acting on those feelings is bad. She says, look, I came here for you and the others to make sure you don't die. I came because I made a promise to Amaryllis. I didn't need him to say that he was sorry or ashamed. If what we know about the Longstairs is true, I will slowly die as I'm brought up. All I need is for you to bring me back down again. And god damn, that was heartbreaking. Like, she's the real hero here. I mean... She's just here to do her job and get it done and die along the way and please bring me back. I mean, she's great. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) <laughs> I, there can only be think... so many real heroes here and it it's got to go you you're know. right it's definitely fen <laughs> it's it's got, i mean uh i would at least put uther june and amaryllis ahead of bethel probably no, Beth- bethel is the one here being a weapon for june and, and going along with this person that she hates and helping them because she made a promise and she knows she's going to die as it happens although she can be brought back down if they're successful in, I, their, in their task. I didn't even think about the fact that they would get her all the way to the earth gate and then 
you know, turn around. I figured like just the second that she like stops talking to them, like, okay, Bethel's dead. We need to turn around. Like mm. somebody go back. Right. It, um, she seems to be assuming that she's going to be brought all the way. Yeah. No, that, that's a good point. Um, so, you know, maybe the choice will be like his friends love to go back through, or he can just teleport her there when he's God. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, nice of Amaryllis to give Palada the teleportation pad. It was symbolic. It was, uh, sentimental, but maybe, uh, maybe she should have kept it because maybe it works, <laughs> you know, from earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they, now she'll never know, but, oh, well, mm-hmm. uh, maybe they fed Bethel another teleportation pad over the last few years. <laughs> Probably. Oh, wait, but she doesn't work on earth. Oh, neither were the, te- the teleportation pad wouldn't work either. Okay. All right. I'm getting ahead of myself. See, we're, we're past the hour mark. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, damn. Okay. So we got to, we got to start getting to the end of it. We're, we're, we're um, almost at the end. We, that's true. We are almost at the end. So this this happened um, after he put Bethel back on his um, hand, but before he actually got the ultimate final, hopefully not final, but the the current apology. Uh, and he's he's a ringing. June is ringing um, Uther to get a, an apology, and he says like the difference between me and you is that when I did something shitty, I had the good sense to feel like shit about it. I made my apologies eventually to the extent I was able, and. I again this this raised my hackles because he felt like shit for no reason. Like Maddie wasn't really upset about what he did. And then he made his apologies to who? Erb Maddie? Erb Maddie who doesn't care and wasn't hurt by things? It's I don't know. I, I feel like I'm missing something here. Did you happen to read the comment that I already blacked out? Uh no. Oh good. Then there's a chance for you to you, you think you're missing something. I think you are. Okay. And uh, there's two things, and one I think you might be able to to guess if I phrase the question right. I'll think about that. But uh, I think so. So June is talking about like, hey, look, I banged Maddie, and mm-hmm. when I when I did something shitty, I felt you know I I owned up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's June here saying, look, I when I when I did something embar- that I'm embarrassed about, I owned up to it. Are you going to do the same, or, or are you going to keep deflecting? Um, so I think it's less about like you know that just turns the the. That turns Maddie into an object. It it's does. Saying like, like what I did to Maddie is the equivalent of putting my dick in a vacuum with Maddie's picture on it. And man, that's really embarrassing. At least I was embarrassed about it. Like what? I think rather than have you guess, I'm going to just do the reveal and, and unhighlight. Oh, wait. Not change. Uh, whatever. It's legible. June's vision of his crime here is similar to Arthur's. They both stuck their dick in a basically not sapient thing just to feel better and assuage their own shitty feelings for a moment. Yeah, so, I think the big difference is that Maddie is not a not sapien thing, and she didn't have a problem. I mean, she had some problem with it, but it wasn't nearly the thing that June was making it out to be. Well, so it it it's very it's analogous though, right? Um, the the problem that Maddie had with it, if she had a problem, which it's not clear she ever did, um, like was that you know, oh, you're using me to feel better. Like I yeah. thought you were cool. Later, um, yeah, like that's that's not you know the, the the analogy falls apart when it's like he wasn't trying I, to make her more sapient um to, right. to his own ends but yeah. what it was was like okay look i'm i'm bummed you know you've got you know two things that make me feel better um yeah. let me uh those are jokes about her boobs <laughs> got um, it it took me a second but yeah and uh like you know let, let's let's how about you just be a pair of boobs for me and i'll see if that can make me feel better that's why he I feels get what bad. you're saying yeah. Okay. So he did kind of a shitty thing there. Well. Yeah. Well, he did. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I, by I think by that... not treating her as a as a person, by treating her. Yeah. I, I. Okay. I see what you and why that 
is analogous in his mind. Yeah. And I, again, I, I, I think that if, if any of his analogies are strained, I think it's just because a lot of his stuff is, is emotionally charged right now. But um, yeah. I can't remember how much of this is textual and how much of this is you having accepted it into my brain. But uh, he has come to terms with the fact that like, uh, you know, Maddie was a consenting adult that, mm-hmm. you know, was fine with everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but he still feels bad about it, which must mean because it's like, oh, she was a consenting adult. I wasn't treating her that way. Yeah, yeah. So that's, what he, that's what he feels bad about. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, but he says, I had the good sense to feel like shit about it. Maybe he felt like shit about it on Earth. Maybe he already knew that that was why he felt like shit. I mean, Uther felt like, Arthur felt like shit about it. He keeps saying like, oh, God, humiliating. And he's like, yeah, it was just a mistake. I didn't want anybody to find out about it. Being humiliated is different than feeling bad about it. You know what I mean? I, I'm Like, you might be humiliated not, if you shit your pants. Like on the bus, right? right? Yeah, you, you didn't yeah. do anything. Well, I mean, it's morally wrong if you don't try to help clean it, but let's not ruin the analogy. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it that's embarrassing. Yeah, but that is merely embarrassing. It's not something that you should feel terrible about. Well, if if I mean, again, going off the idea that he doesn't realize that Bethel is a person, uh, he that he did the equivalent of shitting his pants, and also like Bethel didn't care about that part of it anyway. Neither did Matt. The part. Yeah, that, yeah. They're, they're, they're talking past each other. <laughs> okay, yeah, I see. Yeah, they, got it. they need to have the Bethel's a person conversation. They they really need to have these conversations with the people that were affected by them. Like, June should pull in Bethel here. I mean, obviously not, because Bethel is traumatized and doesn't want to talk with Arthur at all, but I don't know. I, I, when Bethel's ready. I think he made it about him, and that is what annoys me. He did. And maybe I've been defending him the whole time. Maybe I can't remember why, because I'm three hours hazy. But um, like when when Bethel's ready, I hope that they bring her in and talk with her about it, too. Yeah. And, you know, at least she'll have to be she'll have to participate in the are you sentient conversation, probably. Um, I do think it's entirely ridiculous that he says I made my apologies eventually. I I think to the extent that he was able, like in that he apologized to I guess he didn't apologize to Raven, I don't think. No, like, and he didn't. He didn't even apologize to Air Maddie because he didn't meet her, right? No, he he apologized to Tiff about it, and then Tiff oh, was like, "Oh, she didn't care about that, dude." Oh, that's right. He apologized to Air Tiff. Yeah, yeah he's. I mean, he so, just feels immense amounts of guilt and self loathing, and and I guess he managed to make himself feel a bit better by doing something he thought was close to apologizing. But I, I'm glad he's getting over it. I guess is is what I would say about that, and that he's not. He, he his his. Not being completely over it yet really clouded his judgment in these chapters. Well, I think that like, because he couldn't apologize to Maddie, he apologized to the simulation of the person or the copy, whatever, the Arab Tiff, yeah. you know, to, to his closest friend, basically, that he had left. Yeah. And, you know, hey, I felt bad about this. So, I mean, that was kind of all he could do, right? Right. If he ever meets yeah. Earth Maddie again, he can say, sorry about that. And she'd be like, sorry for what? Um, mm-hmm. so, and then he'll feel he'll, he'll feel uh, appropriately silly so it is weird how talking to uninvolved third parties can really help you get over things just recently i had some you know some some emotional stuff come up and just talking to somebody else about like oh this thing happened like after i was done i was like this is weird nothing has changed about the situation at all i just told some random person about it but now i feel better <laughs> just <laughs> just because i said that to someone i don't i don't get humans our psychology is stupid Sometimes it's just nice to talk about stuff. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, you know, talk therapy is a thing and mm. it's it's a thing for a reason. Uh, mm. Sometimes like you just need to get it out and have someone say, yeah, that does suck. 
Yeah. yeah. All right. This well, this was too good. You gotta you gotta keep going here. I I think this was Uther finally trying to getting annoyed enough at June that he did try to strike back a little bit when he says, "Do you know Raven as well as you knew Maddie?" Because he's he's just being an ass here. But I I think it's a kind of a dumb question because I don't think I don't know how well did June know Maddie? I guess he kind of knew her, but. He also was pretty damn clueless about her. And I think overall, he knows Raven a lot better than he knew Maddie, you know? But I'm getting entirely off track because I'm looking at your notes here there. Yes, Uther was needling him, being like, so have you fucked Raven yet? Right. He's asking (laughs) if he knew her in the biblical sense. Yeah, yeah. I I just think... Do you you know Raven too, then? Yeah, yeah. He's he's trying to get under June's skin. And uh, I don't know. It, It was... It seemed like a clumsy way for me to try to get under someone's skin because you used stupid biblical knowing terms and, and uh, he, this has, he has to be you know for all his cool as a cucumber he has to be a bit on the back foot here you know that's true um, like he he's now talking to somebody who I think he's getting more and more convinced as the minutes go on that this is that this is juniper right mm-hmm. so he's like you know if he's not if he's not coming at this full force I can kind of get why. Um, <laughs> Well, I but, think it works, though, because Juniper says, I could feel my voice grow cold. <laughs> uh, he hadn't said it like a dig, but it was really hard not to read into it. I'm like, you yeah, know, he was totally digging on you, dude. He was trying to get under your skin there. Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, yeah. The uh, uh, It was kind of shitty of Uther to do that right in front of Raven, though. Especially since he knows that he's been fully read in. Um, yeah. I, Ginger should have been like, no, I've only banged the half elf, your great granddaughter, and this toad's mom. Oh, and Tiff. <laughs> <laughs> this toad's mom. <laughs> yeah. And but, Tiff. That, that dude, that would have been fucking brutal comeback. How do you recover from that? Uther would have been like, shit, you're right, gonna kill myself. <laughs> you should he, I mean, June could do it in a really dick way too. Like, I mean, I, I think I I think the way I phrased it earlier was probably him, you know, punching as hard as he could. The second hardest punch could be like, you know, Bethel showed us the simulation or like a whatever, a holodeck replay of, of what you did. And you didn't get, you didn't get Tiff's nipples, right? Like, oh. you know, so, something, something like that just to, but mm. that, that, that's something you say to an enemy. They'd better not get to that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, your dig was really good because it's, it's like, it's explicit and it, it really hurts. It's it's devastating and it's a joke too. So like it puts June above it all. If you were to say that, like it, it it elevates you to a certain level of like raining down bombs on the people below you, who's Uther in this case. It was it would have been you know great and funny and that's what you want in a really good dig on someone who you aren't actually trying to provoke into stabbing you right now. Well, that might get that might provoke a stabbing. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, and, maybe you know it. It depends on if he, if he can take the joke. I don't think that he'd take the joke that nicely uh, if he delivered it as hard as he could. But hopefully, we don't mm. find out. Um, <laughs> when you throw in at this toad's mom, though, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this version. I thought you meant the one from before. No, um, no, I meant your this one with the oh yeah thing the, in that yeah yeah. This one was funny, and hopefully that yeah this would land well. Um, yeah. Yeah, the the mean version uh, wouldn't. So yeah. Um, okay. So, did you have any thoughts on like the Raven? Why didn't you tell me? Oh, because you were twelve, and then you know, it, like you were a child. He's just not even looking at her. And then I he mean, like. I, I, 
Go ahead. Sorry. I think he has a point. I don't think a 15-year-old is going to take that point very well. Uh, so maybe he doesn't know kids very well. But like... Oh, uh, I heard that I, on tape. You know, she's called a 15-year-old a kid. <laughs> Shit. I... I... A 15-year-old young adult then, sorry, is not going to take it very well that like three years ago you were not you were not a person enough for me to read you in on this kind of thing. But like I, I think he's totally accurate that you were 12 is a good enough excuse in almost all cases to not have told people these things. Oh, yeah. And she's 15 or she's 17 now. Wait, no. Is it 17? Oh, no, yeah. you're right. 17. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I forgot. Yeah. So actually, a 17-year-old might take it a little better. It depends on if they are in, like, our society where 17-year-olds are stunted by jails or if it's more like a, you know, fantasy society where she might have gotten a good deal of maturing experience by now. St- it took me a second to figure out what you meant stunted by jails. You're talking about school. <laughs> I am talking about school, yes. Solid. Uh, no, I, I think that – and then, you know, throw in whatever – confusing L psychology and now things are confusing, but um, I just, I brought that up because he's not looking at her. Then he does. And he's like, look, I told four people. And I thought that was just epic. I thought that he had told nobody. Yeah. Um, He told that girl that got killed uh, when he was in the theater troupe. Then he told Vervain everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he told what? 42. Vervain was like, just don't, don't tell anybody else about this. Yeah. Gandalf. Slash the mm-hmm. DM. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go ahead and keep the keep a lid on this. It'll make the game really annoying if you tell everybody. Uh, yeah, it's going to make the game about you being from Earth rather than the game about you being Uther in this fantasy land. Right. And then he tells 42, who it's hard to say exactly who 42 was to him, right? Um, mm-hmm. But then he tells his wife, in whom he confided everything. That's um, awesome. Well, but it's interesting because that is not how you talk about somebody who's not real. Um, yeah. So I, I'm still trying to figure out Uther here. Maybe he thought the world wasn't real, but the people within it were that they were like trapped sapient things that were also in this horrible play that was set up for him. That is coherent and that makes perfect sense. Um, that would explain basically everything. Uh, you know, why he didn't like just Groundhog Day, Mert or whatever, Westworld his way to the portal on his way out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, no, these people are people, they matter, but. God, this universe is a fucking trite shithole and I'm sick of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, no, I can dig it. Uh, I think Uther gives too much shit to this world. I mean, I uh, I can see where he's coming from because he hates it. But like when he says, oh, it's so hackneyed, it's so lazy, there was a time skip and you guys are just so perfect. I'm like, dude, it's it's you're hating it for not that good a reason here. This is actually solid tropes for for a reason. Like it's good pretty good storytelling after 40 years of it you might get sick of it too well yeah yeah i think that's the thing is you know like the dm says he was truly happy with it for a while Mm -hmm. um and if we take him if we believe him then like you know he loved it for a while it's just like after a long time he's just like wait this is it and like when he was doing the bottomless pit business he was working on the groundhog day book remember yes and he's just like my life is this yeah and uh yeah it's hard to think of anything matters, you know, the people still matter, but nothing you do matters, which is mm-hmm. this terrible paradox, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. I, I can move us to the end if you want here. Let's do it. All right. So he, Arthur says to him, you've changed. And June says, gods, I hope so. Um, mm. Oh, that's interesting. He's picked up the Arabs, Arab language so much. He says gods now instead of God. I like that too. Um, I, I sometimes say that, but I just like to be, you know, that's a hangover from my, from my new atheist days. Um, mm, okay, but it's, yeah, he's, he's definitely 
it's that's water over the bridge talk right there uh, <laughs> right but uh he, he was worried that arthur hadn't changed um and i speculated this earlier in my comments that's why i was wanted to give june a gold star for it uh i suppose he hadn't really had much cause for giving apologies given how well everything usually turned out for him and how righteous his causes normally were um mm. and i'll add in addition to that that like he's been a god king emperor with whatever peerless knowledge and intellect for decades like yeah you know it, it must be really hard to relate to people right right um so anyway but june gets a a gold star for me for that empathy there he's he's nailing it especially compared to like you know him from earlier on and all of his self-doubt like he pauses all the time to like actually correctly model his his friends and people he's talking with you know yeah it definitely sounds like he's better than than he was yeah he has grown. He, he has. And then my last thing was me with, I remember all the mean digs at Brian for like reading comprehension. And mm. let me just say, this is harder than it looks <laughs> to, <laughs> to remember everything. Like, I don't know what it is when I'm reading stuff. I remember everything. And then when you're talking about it, you forget everything. Um, mm. But there was a, um, he mentions to Arthur what I thought was twice about the car accident and he gets no reaction. Mm-hmm. And, I was like, okay, so something's weird here. It's like some anti-mimetic magic that keeps like Arthur from being able to process that information or he doesn't believe June or he already knew. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, there was a, I forgot that when he was saying that when he was talking about the long stairs, he says there was a second run. We ran it. We ran it after you died. He's like, no, that's three times. We played a one shot for Halloween. Um, mm. So he acknowledged that statement. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he 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 has heard that he he died on Earth. He just has nothing to say about it. I guess. I guess. Maybe. I mean, what what are you going to say? Maybe it even occurred to him once or twice that, like, oh my God, I've died and gone to hell, and Arab is hell. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that probably that possibly, must have crossed I've, his mind. You know. Yeah. Um, or possibly I've died and gone to heaven, but this heaven is kind of fucked up, and the God doesn't quite know what he's doing because this is getting to be shitty. Yeah, th- this heaven's a bit of a flop. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that that must have crossed his mind at some point. Um, mm. Anyway, so, you know, and who knows? Maybe he just doesn't. I mean, even if you do want to face it, like, what do you want to say about it? Like, yeah, I remember that. That sucked. Mm. Um, you know, the coma, all that. So, mm. uh, but only one way to find out, people. We got to keep going. We do have to keep going and we shall. Uh, we are going to be reading the next three chapters. Uh, they are chapter 240, The Long Haul. 241, Long Shot, and 242, A Long Row to Ho. I like how these all have long in them. Um, mm-hmm. And one was long story. Wait, every chapter has had the word long in it that they've been in the long stairs. Yes. That's funny. Yeah. Long story short, certain kind of longing. Old sins cast long shadows. The long haul is the opposite of long story short. That'll be interesting. Long shot, ooh, risky gambit, and a long row to ho. Um, sounds like it's gonna be hard work, man. Yeah. Well, very exciting. Thanks for bearing with us, and thank you, Inesh, for indulging me for this long. This has been, you know, we've had a lot of exciting and cool shit, no doubt. But mm-hmm. like since the DM conversation, when he got like soul level one hundred or whatever, mm-hmm. this is like the most like that level of epic, but on steroids. Since then, you know. Yeah. So if this is our longest episode ever, well, it earned it. It's Uther, yeah. goddamn Pendrag. <laughs> and a little bit of Arthur. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah, definitely more than even more than a glimmer peeking through. Yeah. Um, All right. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, uh, we do need to take this moment to remind people that they can buy Alexander Wales's book at many places. There's links to it in our show notes. Uh, you can support him on his Patreon. Uh, if you want to, you know, make sure that we remain flipped on every week, that someone <laughs> stimulates us so we can do more episodes. Uh, you got to pay for that electricity to stimulate us somehow, and you can support us on Patreon to do that. Um, and we would like that too, because those, the memories of the weeks between being flipped on, they're always pretty damn epic. I think most of them anyway. So we'd appreciate that too. Yeah. And I can only assume that literally everyone listening to this has already bought copies of his ebook. Um, cause no one's, you know, throwing a comment on, uh, one of the posts that are available in the show notes here, um, or pinged me on discord. So, uh, if, if maybe I'm wrong, maybe someone hasn't bought it yet, by all means, uh, message me and I'll send you a free copy if you don't want to buy it. Um, or if you can't, I'm super, you know, I, I, I mm. could probably just buy multiple copies from my own email address, but that's just actually a waste, right? I want to uh, give them to people. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, I could buy them to give Alexander money, but I, also, I already support him on Patreon. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I already bought copies for myself. So let me share the love. Um, yeah. To that extent, uh, let me extend another thank you to Alexander Wales for uh, writing this awesome story, making us uh, captivated enough to talk about it for three and a half hours. It was great damn stream. All right. See you back back next week. Yep. See you then. Bye.